0: You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows, like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. This is Randy. In the future, following past trends of televised poker, ESPN will begin broadcasting competitive
1: cards against humanity. This is Jesse. In the future... You won't have to worry about that arbitrary tweet or status update being misconstrued due to the lack of nonverbal cues or tone and inflection. Because social media will incorporate your thoughts and emotions into every post. Not ironically, that same year, the U.S. government will completely remove any social media presence whatsoever.
2: This is Melanie, and in the future... In an attempt to get more in touch with nature, we will begin growing our furniture from trees and mushrooms, and as they grow, we'll shape them to our
0: specifications. You know what? That's not totally untrue though. Um, because at one point, and I don't know how, if it's panned out, but they were using different funguses. Mm -hmm. So mushrooms and stuff. Um, and they can have it grow into a mold and they were using that for like, um, well, the idea is they were going to use that for like car. Um, what is it called? Interior and stuff like that. Yeah. Because it's, Kind of, uh, you know, kind of plasticky, but.
1: Well, that doesn't leave you much room for error, does it? Mm. Wow!
0: Wow! <laughs> that was a good one. I like that one. Uh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Okay, so we're doing the show. Okay. All right.
1: <laughs> Welcome to the show, everybody.
0: <laughs> we just
1: got here. Yes. <laughs> Just, uh, fair warning, I uh, I'm drinking a hee-haw. Do you remember what that did to me in the past? Uh huh. That's all right. <laughs> I'm excited then. This yes. be a good show. Uh, yep. Some other yeah. her <laughs> A little her-har.
0: Yes, Growlix Podcast. We're gonna be talking about all kinds of things today. Uh, we're gonna talk about some Green Arrow, like actual Green Arrow. Uh, we're gonna talk about some fables, um, and then you know other things as we see fit.
2: As we wander
0: off. As as we wander off, yeah. So, Jesse, what's new with you? What would you do this month?
1: (laughs) What did I do this month? Uh, Well, I went to Planet Comic Con in uh, Kansas City. Uh, Holly and I, we, you know, last year we went, and this year we decided to take the whole weekend and experience what a whole weekend was like. Because last year, for uh, Planet 2014, I went down with Axton Kaler, who we've had on the show before, and uh, we just did the Sunday, so we kind of did like a power, like a a power con experience where we come in and get we get in, we do what we got to do, and we get out. <laughs> so I, wa- <laughs> I kind of wanted to see what the whole, you know, like if I spread it out, you know, what what's a three day pass like? I don't know what that's like, so <laughs> I wanted to try that out. I wound up being Kind of fun because we got an apartment down there in KC, and we were able to go in on on Friday when it was not quite so busy, and we got several of our you know like signature-seeking moments out of the way, and then we were able to you know hit different things on different days. So Saturday we were able to hit like um, panels and things like that. So
0: nice.
1: let's jump on
0: signatures
1: first. Who did you get? Who did you see? Who did you talk to? Okay, well, let's start I'll start with media guests. Uh the first first media guest that we went to was uh the young Amy Pond. Okay. Okay. Uh was it Kate Caitlin something? And I feel bad because I have her signature and I've already forgotten her name. Uh but the 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 young gal that that played Amy Pond as a little girl at the very beginning of season 5. Yeah, maybe. yeah.
0: When when Matt Smith first comes in and fish sticks and custard and all that.
1: Yes. Yeah. That whole, that whole scene, uh, Caitlin Blackwood is her name. And, uh, so on Friday, you know, there wasn't much for a line to anybody, but Michael Rooker, Michael Rooker had a huge line. And so did Carrie Elwes. And I didn't, I didn't get to meet either of them. Uh, but Caitlin's line was really short. So we thought, yeah, let's, let's get her today. And, um, so we did that, and she was very, uh, like, she looks like a little, uh, a little Karen Gilliam. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, she's, she's growing into that, that, like a clone. I don't know. It's kind of <laughs> creepy. Uh, but she's really kind of introverted, and so you, you can imagine, uh, putting, putting introvert in the line, and then, then <laughs> getting in line to meet the introvert. It was like, hey, yeah. hey, nice job with that. You're, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh but we did get a we did get a photo with her but you know it's just like you get that many introverts in a photo and it's like we all look uncomfortable. <laughs> so, but she she was nice and and the folks at the at her table were really cool. In fact, uh, I think we saw them out and about like before the con and they, you know, like they waved at us. We had a nice little conversation. So, it was kind of nice. Uh then that same day we uh we got in Scott Wilson's line because his line was relatively short too, and he was doing um like not every not every media guest does photos at the booth at the table. Uh but he was and he was offering it like as a an aside. Like sometimes they'll do it but only if you buy the autograph. Like if you if you buy the autograph then for like ten bucks more we'll take a photo with you too on your phone kind of thing. Oh yeah, okay. Well he was uh, he was offering uh, to go ahead and just take the photo too oh nice it was it was an option so so we did that and and his uh he you know like things were so relaxed at his table uh, like his his people were like doing something else, and so he he interacted with us you know, like usually the process is you get in line you deal with you deal with paying for your autograph, and then you go on to the media guest and and in this case, they were like they were like talking and and goofing around. And so he, he was like our cashier too. (laughs) And so he's, he was just really casual and fun. And, uh, immediately he's like, well, where's my hug? (laughs) So Holly was all over that. Um, uh, we've, you know, we've had, uh, Dave Bell on, on a different podcast for the electronic media collective. Uh Uh, and, uh, they're huge Scott Wilson fans. So like, I go in and I just have one thing that I want to say, basically, to a media guest because you never know how much time you're going to get with them. And uh, so I was just going to tell him that we, you know, my friends do this Spaghetti Tuesday in honor of Herschel from The Walking Dead. And uh, I was gonna—that was the only thing I was going to say to him. But Holly, get, Holly gets up there, and she. She just, like, zones in. She she had her game face on. She was like, I am talking to Scott Wilson. And she was like, you made this show uh, easier to take for somebody that doesn't like horror. And, if, like, she was just, like, there. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to let her go because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's clearly a cool experience. And I don't want to get in the way of that but no it was, it was fun that was probably the coolest of the media guests that we interacted with and that was all on Friday um, the other media guests that we we had to get in line for Karen uh, we had to meet Amy Pond uh, that was less uh, awesome just because the line was huge we did that on Saturday morning uh, and that was the first thing we did got in line because that's what you had to do because her line was crazy around the back of the booths, kind of thing Um, And because it was so long, they had you buy a ticket for the autograph so that when you got up to, like once you got there, all you'd have to do is get up there, hand the ticket off because you already paid, and then move on. Well, to further streamline the process, they gave us uh, post-it notes. And if you wanted your autograph uh, personalized, then go ahead and write down on the post-it note who this is to. So I was like you just keep streamlining this down to the point where when you get up there you barely have a conversation with the person at oh, all. Oh yeah, yeah. Which was kind of a bummer because pl- planning out in advance what we wanted to do, we were we were originally thinking about doing the photo op instead. And uh and in this case like we don't have a picture with Amy Pond because it said right at the table, no pictures, no photos. Because they they do photo ops through the con kind of thing. Yeah. So I was a I was originally just gonna do the double Amy Pond photo op, but in their policy they made it sound like well you can't really even have a conversation outside of a polite hello, and uh <laughs> and it you know it's like I I I tell the story because there, I mean there's not much of a story and people are like well wow they're really like too big for their britches or something. No. She was she was delightful. She was very friendly, as friendly as you could be for five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> it really it really basically was, Hi, who are you? Awesome. Thanks for coming, you kind of thing. And and I have red hair, so she was like, Yeah, ginger power and that yeah. was that. <laughs> <laughs> i was, that was it I was like i should have I should have just gone with the uh the photo op because for like it was like an autograph was sixty dollars for eighty dollars you could take one photo with both of the pawns and have like up to four people in it, oh really so it's like and and I think I would've got the same level of conversation out of it, you know like hindsight's twenty twenty but yeah yeah. But it's still cool. She was very, she was very friendly. It just was, you know. There's an enormous line behind us, so you know, get your autograph, say hi, have your moment, and that's all you get.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean that is that is a bummer, but I
1: imagine like she's a huge draw, so yeah, like and I don't know, why. she was probably the big name of Saturday because she was only there Saturday, Sunday.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah, they. I mean, it sucks that they streamline the life out of it, but uh, yeah. otherwise, that
1: I, I doubt they'd be able to get through everybody. If oh, it was it was an enormous line. The other thing that was kind of a bummer is they incorporated a VIP system, oh. and that was the only time where I where I saw any merit to it at all is if you were in the VIP line, you as long as there was somebody in the vip line the regular line didn't move so if you had if you had bought a vip 3-day pass then you just, you just got in the speed lane to get your autograph oh and it's like oh now i'm now i'm seeing why people will pay that kind of money but i kind of you know like i don't like it i do like it i see why i would think about doing it but it, it kind of changes the game you mm-hmm. know in, in in a way that I don't like. So, those are the media guests, the creators. Uh, that was kind of cool because we, we we got to meet Stan Sakai, who is the the creator of Usagi, Ujimbo, Usagi Yojimbo, the Samurai Rabbit, who also features in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He does a few crossovers in that. Oh, nice. And he was super cool. And he was signing, you know, that's that's what's so bizarre is media guests play a part. And then yet the creators, they'll charge you nothing. And they, like, invented said part. And yeah. so it's, it's kind of mind boggling. Like he, he wasn't charging anything. So we were buying things from him just because like you are a living legend and you're not charging anything and you're, and the only money you're taking outside of that is donating to a charity. So yeah. How can we not donate to your charity? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh, real quick, wrap, just to wrap this up, cause I, again, I don't want to, overdo the podcast with this stuff, but um, one of the coolest moments, I think, th- that applies to us here at Grolix Podcast is is I got to walk around uh, in Artist Alley and meet the folks at Cannons in the Clouds. Well, I got to meet them, and they were super cool, and it was, it's, you know, either they just had their, their table faces on, or they were genuinely excited to meet me. Uh, and, and they were like, you know, like super appreciative of the fact that we did a review for them. And, and, uh, and I took your advice. I, I introduced myself as the guy that, that has nightmares about flying fish now. <laughs> and, uh, that was cool. And they were, they were, um pretty excited and animated. Oh, so great. Yeah. Explained who I was. I, and I gave him, I gave him one of our, uh, Grolix cards and, and told him, you know, if you're interested in being on Grolix Nights, you know, look us up. So maybe maybe that'll be in the future. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. I was excited when you were when you were messaging me about that.
0: Um and yeah, they had commented back on our post on the episode that we talked about and they'd mentioned apparently they got they were amused by the flying fish nightmares, the Mario <laughs> flying fish nightmares comment. So I was yeah, hoping that yeah, would stick yeah. with them.
1: Yeah, it must have, yeah, they knew. And and I guess they're already <laughs> up to issue four or five.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I think, I think so. Think I think 4 came out this past month.
1: Yeah, I think that's what they were saying is that 4 is out and 5 is coming. So. They didn't have anything to sell either. They were just kind of there to, you know, get exposure and promote the books and so that was pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah,
0: we we wanted to be there, but my work schedule did not permit it.
3: Yeah. Stinky. But-
1: it is. It, it's quite a drive too. I mean, that's that's one of the other reasons where, where I was like, if I'm gonna, it's, if it's gonna be a three-hour thing, you know, both ways, then it'd be kind of nice to actually stay and be able to enjoy it, even if we didn't go all three days, which we did wind up doing. Um, by by day three, I was kind of like, eh, do we have to go back in? Yeah. Um, but Stephen Amell was there, and we thought, well, it'd be fun to catch a glimpse of him or something, but. He was in a panel at the time we finally got there. So mm. we didn't actually get to see Arrow. Arrow <laughs>
0: that's,
1: yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's my that's my segue tone. Um. Segue <laughs> <laughs> Segway tone. I, I mean, we should have like a sound for the segue, like like the sound of a segue rolling by. <laughs> <like.
0: sighs> <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: um <laughs> Yeah, we did. See... That was a little too much airplane, not enough segue, right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, good point. If your if, se- if your segue sounds like an airplane, you might need to get the wheels checked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I think we
0: I think we're an episode behind on Arrow currently. Two episodes by the time oh, this yeah. episode comes this comes out. But did you did you see Flash?
1: Yes, because Flash was rad.
0: Yes, we did see
1: Flash, and it all went down the way that we all thought it would. So, yeah, yeah. Flash played
0: out like we expected. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, by the time this episode goes out, there'll probably be another Flash episode out. Yeah. So we're talking about oh, what was the name of it? I don't remember the name.
1: Ro- was it Rogue Time, and then the one before it was something else. But Rogue Time was was the current episode. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, with, once again, uh, was it Captain Cold? Yep. Captain Cold and mm-hmm. th- the other one, F- <laughs> Fire Fire Guy.
2: Yeah. And now his sister, the Captain Cold sister's...
0: Gold Gold finger. Is that, that what it is? No, <laughs> it's not. That's a James Bond thing. But, <laughs> yeah, that she had a gold gun. Yeah. They did some cool things. This episode, playing on the events that happened in the pl- previous episode. Mm-hmm. Um, right, I was like, I understand why they did it, but so Barry and Captain Cold come to an agreement at the end. Mm.
1: Yeah, that was a little bit clunky. Oh, yeah, that was the only yeah. part where I was like, "Wow, you're really just trying to wrap this episode up, huh?" <laughs> exactly. Mm. I didn't. I didn't I
0: didn't buy it. Like, why would why would Captain Cold be like, "Okay, it's all good. I know who you are, but..." Yeah, I promise I won't kill anybody. And Barry's like, just don't kill anybody. You can rob everything you want. And it just <laughs> and, was. And- <laughs> I'm going to let you go, but you're going to have to walk back to town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though he is a murderer. And yeah.
2: He, you know, we have this conversation quite a bit. Barry is the fastest man alive. There's no reason for him to negotiate with anybody. He could go and run and find them all and whatever, you know, uh-huh. things. Like evidence they have, you know, before he could let the that let them know that he had been captured. Yeah, even. I don't I don't understand why he feels the need to negotiate with anyone, or especially that one time when there was somebody had a hostage, and I'm like, so go grab her, or him. I mean, it was him, right?
0: I don't recall, but sure.
2: So whatever they had a hostage, I'm like, so go run, grab the hostage, and then they have no leverage over you, and then bam, you're done.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I enjoy the show, but I think the writers. And you know they do it for to keep the show going, but I think the writers really struggle with the idea of the Flash has this kind of power, mm-hmm. but their story demands that he not use it.
2: Yeah, well, I guess it's the same thing with like Superman. You have to make him be stupid and <laughs> and not you know do everything that he could do because otherwise there'd be no story.
0: I I just think the comics handle it a bit better. Yeah, because yeah. it feels like comic book readers. Are what's the word? They will pick apart a comic book to ridiculous. Ped- pedantic. I mean,
1: pedantic, y- pedantic.
0: Thank is the you. Word you're looking yeah, for <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it feels like comic book writers have to work a little, a little harder to avoid mm-hmm. their plots getting pulled apart. Even though comic book plots can be pretty ridiculous.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But for example, the in this in this last episode of The Flash. Uh, where they're in the casino or whatever that was. And, yeah, I think that's where there was a hostage. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. At the end, the scene ends with uh, Captain Cold and his sister just, like, leisurely turning their back on Flash and strolling out, guns dangling from their hands. Mm -hmm. And Barry just stands there and watches them leave. And it's like, you're the Flash. Their back is turned towards you. They're just strolling out like it's a, you know... Sunday morning, uh, yeah. Grab the guns and go. <laughs> grab the guns and go. It's done. Story over. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's the problem: is it would be story over. Yeah. But,
1: and I think I think overall they're doing um, Captain Cold really well. Like that, that interaction isn't the problem that I have with that scene. You know, it's it's just how kind of clunky it is because Captain Cold is one of those characters that that Barry could potentially. Um, r- rationalize with I mean like he's not so far gone he's one of those he's one of those intellectual baddies that, that can kind of dip either way if it suits him mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so I think I, I think that they could have done it they just didn't do it well yeah mm-hmm. yeah I agree
2: and I don't know maybe it's trying to make that make the tv characters like the comic book characters more but i hate the way that they deliver their lines both the
0: oh the bad guys?
2: Yeah. Both of them.
0: They not not all the villains in the show but Captain Cold and what is the fire guy's
1: name? I don't know. I, I should know this. I I keep thinking that he's Firebug but Firebug is a Batman guy. Oh. Um they do
0: they go over the top villain, like old school villain, like mm-hmm. they just the way they deliver. Their old lines. Batman villain, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 yeah. It's like old time film villain, like they really like lay it oh. on thick.
1: <laughs> yeah, a vaude, vaudeville old timey twirled the mustache, snidely whiplash. <laughs> I mean, a little bit. No, it, I mean, obviously, if they
2: had mustaches, I think they might. I th- yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> And I, I think Cap. I, I don't know which one is worse about it, but yeah, they they, they they're over the top, which is okay, but it's kind of weird because not all the villains are over the top. Some mm-hmm. of them are pretty um, uh, natural, yeah. I guess. Uh, and then it's like when it comes to those two, the director or whoever is like, "You're a villain. You're just a bad guy." And, and when you talk, you want people to know it, you know? Uh, yeah but you know, it's still fun. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. Okay. I, I find his it name is a
1: uh, heat wave, heat, heat wave. wave.
0: That's it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's,
2: but I, I can't take him seriously because I just want to laugh at him the whole time.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that. Yeah.
1: I, I also like the 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 fur lined hood because it's the straight up callback, but it looks so ridiculous <laughs> in real every like in person. Yeah, I I thought about
0: that. I, I think the scene where they're robbing the casino, he he strolls in with it, and everybody else is dressed normally. It looks like it's probably summertime, mm.
4: <laughs> yeah, and he's
0: yeah. always rolling around in this winter coat with the uh, yeah the fur lined hood. Um, but I kind of like it. It is ridiculous, but. Mm-hmm. It's...
2: Especially when you consider that he doesn't actually have any powers, he just has a gun. So he's probably not cold.
0: No, he's probably not. He's probably sweating all the time, but that's why he's got the cold gun. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Keep himself cool. <laughs> Except he has no like what is that, sweat glands, so he's like, no sweat. <laughs> 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 we need we need to amp up the vaudevillian cheese. Just so just go even further. No sweat. No sweat. No mustache though <laughs> no, come on, come uh, that's like I'm crazy.
2: <laughs> another thing, I don't know. we were debating about when when um Barry told who the guy that's the reverse flashbook his name in the show,
1: Harrison Wells, yeah. yeah,
2: okay, thank you. uh, when he told Harrison Wells um you know what was going on, how much he told him because
0: in regards to what the reporter knew.
2: Uh, Well, yeah, that specifically, but, you know, and just the, you know, everything that had happened, if he told him like every single thing, because there was stuff like he knew about the reporter and, and that he was going to go ahead with that story, like in a couple days and stuff like that. And I'm like, I don't know that he told him that, or at least we didn't get to see him telling that.
0: Yeah, that's one thing because it doesn't totally make sense that he knew the reporter was going to run a story. And, mm-hmm. and hence knew to go after the reporter mm-hmm. because how the events went down this, this, the second version of the day, or at least, or this last episode, the reporter doesn't really go to anybody, no. doesn't get a chance to talk to anybody about it. The flash knows what the flash knows from living the day out before. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we didn't get to see the flash tell Wells, any of that. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of questioning whether Wells would know to go after the reporter, mm-hmm.
2: and and killing him was a stupid idea. Also, I think he should have just gone and tried to find out where the evidence was and destroy that, because then it would the evidence would have been gone. He couldn't have run the story, and people wouldn't be suspicious of of okay. him for you know that guy mm-hmm. dying right after he found out there was going to be a story running or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. One of the things that I thought was interesting between the two versions too was. Uh, kind of, this is huge spoiler territory. Um, the uh, the part where Cisco figures out about uh, Thrawn, Thrawn, Thrawn. I always get it wrong. Uh, figured him out, and uh, it was like everybody in that past life or that past day that uh, that first version. Everybody else kind of knew at the end. Uh-huh. About the re- about the reverse flash. Like, everybody knew but Barry. Barry but, was the yeah. only one mm-hmm. that was like, I don't have time for this. I gotta go. And then in this version, it was the flip-flop where no one else has any clue. Mm-hmm. And at the end, we find out that Barry does.
0: Barry's, yeah, he's suspicious. I do also like the uh, symmetry between the two episodes where we've get, we get the scene with Wells and Sisko. Um, uh, mm-hmm. With that big device that they use to capture the reverse flash before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the speech that Wells even gives him is very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hits a lot of the same points, but on day number one, he ends up, again, huge spoilers, but killing Cisco. But on the second take, um, you know, it's much more like, father-son bonding moment Mm -hmm. even though the dialogue's not that different Mm
2: -hmm. and actually i was gonna say i I really like that they did that because he's like i in the first version i think he even said i would have liked to have told you this under different circumstances
0: ah yeah yeah
2: and then in the second version
0: he he did in the second version it was a nice Mm -hmm. a nice bonding scene instead of a murder
1: Mm mm-hmm A murder. He really likes the uh, vibration judo chop. He does, doesn't he? It's like his new killing method of choice. Mm. It's like, boom, you're done. That is fun, though, because it
0: introduces at least to viewers that don't know about, you know, all the Flash's possible powers. The idea that they can, like, vibrate through stuff. Mm -hmm. Because I'm really hoping someday they get it to where Barry can, like
1: vibrate, vibrate through walls and such. Yeah. Phase. I don't know what they would call it. That's a huge trick that he uses too. Like, cause that's the ironic thing about Barry is he's constantly late for things. Mm -hmm. So half the time he's using that. I can phase through the wall to get into my apartment kind of thing. Oh yeah. yeah. Somebody realizes that I wasn't in there. So I really want to read
0: more flash. I just haven't, I haven't got the chance yet. I, I, well, it's not that I haven't got the chance, but I haven't taken the chance to read more.
1: Well, and that's kind of a good segue. I mean, not, mm-hmm. not to cut you off, but uh, it, that's a good segue into why we read uh, Green Arrow. Mm-hmm. Was kind of to get a little bit of Green Arrow since we talk about Arrow yeah. so often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So since we so often find
0: ourselves talking about uh, Arrow or The Flash, CW shows, um Jesse suggested we should read some some Green Arrow or some Flash, and I think we opted for Green Arrow because, well, I personally was supported the Green Arrow idea because, like I said, I want to read Flash eventually, but that's definitely also something I'll get to on my own. Um, mm-hmm. The Green Green Arrow, on the other hand, I don't know that I would get to it anytime soon, so I was like, "Yeah, let's let's do that," mm-hmm. and. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of differences between the any of the comic books and any of the comic book shows. But between The Flash and Green Arrow, the tone of Arrow seems to deviate quite a bit more from the comic books than the tone of The Flash.
1: Yeah, yeah and that's kind of been my problem with the show a little bit. Not that it's a real problem, but it's it's jarring. And in general, I'm more familiar with Flash,
0: The Flash, in comics. So, I was all for... All for a, a nice introduction to some Green Arrow proper.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. And I, I haven't really read any Arrow before. Um, Green Arrow, I'm sorry. Even maybe, a, maybe he's been in a few things that I've read, but he hasn't even really like come into books that I've read. Um, but it, I already knew that the the show the show had had much less humor, I should say.
1: Oh yeah,
0: than, oh yeah. Than
2: the comic because I, I it always struck me that. That the Green Arrow had a lot of humor in it, and the show does not so much.
0: Yeah, when he when he shows up in, yeah, that'd be our exposure to him is when he shows up in during big events, crossover uh-huh. events, or just stories that involve more like Justice League members and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, the Green Arrow always has a sense of humor. Yeah, and then also his whole um, Robin Hood thing. Yeah, which they don't play on at all in the show. His his anti. Anti-rich, anti-corporation yeah. thing.
2: Talking about the, what, fat cats or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, he's got quite a bit of swagger, too. I mean, like, he's pretty cocky. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, so uh, we read, at Jesse's
0: suggestion, and it was a good suggestion, we read the Quiver storyline, which was written by Kevin Smith, art by Phil Hester, and this is, um, it's basically issues one through ten, of Green Arrow, Volume Three. It's
1: Sorry. also uh, it it comes after the fact, uh, like after uh, I believe it's Zero Hour, that whole event where uh, it was one of those cataclysmic events, and uh, in that whole storyline, you basically lose Oliver Queen. Oliver Queen dies, and you've got you know you've got Roy Harper. Uh, as Arsenal still doing his thing, you've got uh Black Canary doing her thing and then you've got Connor as the Green Arrow in his absence and this is how they kind of bring Oliver Queen back.
0: Yeah, and before before we get into it um as with pretty much anything we talk about big spoilers. I imagine we're just going to spoil the crap out of this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. Um yeah, yeah, the, so this is totally uh the resurrection of mm. Oliver Queen, Green Arrow.
1: It's kind of a crazy train. It goes all over the place. Mm-hmm. It, it does. It
2: does. I like that I didn't know anything about it when I started reading it because I, I think I enjoyed it. I got to enjoy it more. Like when um, when he first like comes back or whatever, and he's like talking to somebody about their cell phone. He's like, Oh, you have those new finger technologies like Batman and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what is this guy talking about? And I'm like, how old is this supposed to be? And then before it outright said it, it took me a while to figure it out. And then it said it. And I'm like, yeah, okay. That's what I thought.
0: Yeah. That actually threw me because yeah, he made a big deal about one of, one of the guys he goes after has a cell phone. And I was like, how old was this? Yeah. And I looked at it and it's like 2002 or something. And I was like, Cell phones weren't that obscure in 2002. But then, yeah, then it turns out it's because essentially Oliver Queen's missing, like, a decade mm-hmm. of time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that that was interesting. Um, to, to piggyback what you were just saying about not really knowing a lot about Oliver Queen or, to a further point, a lot of the DC Universe, like, events at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, is definitely one of my very large blind spots, uh, reading through this, it fills you in and references a lot of different, ev- a lot of different happenings and mm-hmm. events. Um, and then it also asterisks a- asterisks, each one, um, Kevin Smith kind of gets to, you can tell he comes at it with a lot of knowledge about mm-hmm. stuff and he, he pulls a lot of, uh, references to events. Uh, d c events and different characters um in a way that as a new as you know as a new reader wasn't intimidating like some books will be it did well at like mentioning these things and also like mm-hmm. kind of filling you in at the same time yeah. without feeling too um w- what's the word
1: expository yeah mm-hmm. well and and he uh he doesn't really know this i think is it's one of his early comic book writing gigs. I yeah. think, mm-hmm. I think he had just come off of writing Daredevil or vice versa. I don't remember which one came first. If, if Green Arrow came first or Daredevil came first. Um, but this is somewhere in those early days. But he does a really nice job. And I think he always has done a really nice job of getting the characters because even though he gets expository, he, He only pulls the events that make the most sense for these characters. Like the way that he brings back uh, Oliver Queen Queen is very much related to the relationship that Hal Jordan and and Oliver Queen have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if, if that relationship wasn't there, then this story wouldn't work. Yeah. The way yeah. that it does. I mean, because it's kind of, it's kind of out of left field. It's, it's a little, it's a pretty big leap, yeah. but he gets that relationship so well that it
0: works.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, speaking of, of Kevin Smith writing this, I didn't find it was too heavy on Kevin Smith isms. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They were definitely there. Uh, some of the, uh, the gay jokes with the, I can't remember the, the older guy that, that Oliver Queen staying with. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. They're not they're not outrageous. Uh but they did feel a little I was I was a little like surprised by them. They felt a little out of place, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um but if you know Kevin Smith's humor, mm-hmm. it's it's actually pretty toned down for yeah. uh, the kind of stuff he usually likes to uh, you know, talk about and joke about.
2: Yeah, I think he kind of reserved his hisness to um <laughs> uh like secondary characters it's
0: there but it's not like any of the comics i've read of his i've enjoyed uh but for example what is the what's the not the widening gyre what's the other one um the other batman
1: cacophony or that's that's yeah. all the same thing isn't it oh is it
0: i, I think know. it's cacophony <laughs> no i think okay. it's cacophony he writes the joker in a way that's a little too Kevin Smith. Like the Joker makes some like pretty lewd jokes and stuff that felt out of like really out of place. Mm-hmm. I thought, I mean, overall I enjoyed that story, but I, I think sometime like, you know, he talks about a Merkin and all this mm-hmm. and that just doesn't really, to me, it didn't really, it didn't feel right. You know, it felt, it felt a little too out of place. Um, in this case, like I said, there's a little bit of the Kevin Smith isms but it's not too heavy so uh, I didn't so make- he did a good job.
1: He did a good job. Wait a way to reel it in there Kevin <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. I like the way he like led into this is going to happen can you f-, you know and this is a clue to help you figure it out before you get there uh, like that the the guy that he was staying with the older guy I figured out that he was Something may- maybe not suspicious. such a good guy. Um, you know before before it revealed it, and I like that. It makes me feel happy when I can guess what's, 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 what's going on. What's
0: coming next? Yeah, the narration was interesting. Sometimes it was really well, and then there's the, the narration definitely does get kind of quirky at times, mm-hmm. like that part where it suddenly like you follow the the older guy for a little bit until the narration is like, but that's something for later in the story. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. It's. Uh, I guess that might be. I don't really lump that in as a Kevin Smithism because that's not necessarily something I've noticed of his other writing, uh-huh. but it's it's definitely unusual. It's kind of amusing and at the same time it kind of takes me out a little bit mm-hmm. in certain parts. Um, it's kind of like it's kind of like the narration just kind of starts to wander, just like. Well, everybody's done doing their thing for now, so we're just going to kind of like wander over here and talk about this random guy on the street type thing. You know, I don't know. Mm It doesn't do that too much, but there's a couple parts where I was like, where is this going? What's going on? Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, And, you know, I'm curious. I'm not like they don't need to write a book about it or anything, but uh, I'm curious uh, (laughs) what happened when he first came back because he was like living as a homeless person. So, oh, yeah. what, what was he thinking? It's just, you know, bam, I'm I'm here and I'm a homeless person. You know, I just, I'm curious about that.
0: Yeah, why why he was just like...
2: What, yeah, why didn't he try to go home or... Well, I think or, they
0: might have talked about that a little bit. He, well, I don't think he realized that he had lost all of his, his estate. Mm. Um, But also, he, he seemed like he didn't want anything to do with all, with it with the estate and his money and such.
2: Yeah, but come on.
0: Well, I'm just saying, you're asking about the character motivations and that's I think he says something about that at one point.
1: Yeah. Uh when and- he they, they kind of implied that he was repressing all of that um because of the state of things. Mm-hmm. Uh and for for folks that we're kind of jumping around, um the first time that we get to see Oliver Queen in the book is uh when he yeah, we see him basically save Stanley uh, in this alley from some thugs, and he's all homeless out, and he's got his trick arrows, but they're like b- a bleach bottle on an arrow kind of uh-huh. thing. Mm-hmm. And so it, you know, like it's it becomes clear right off the bat that um, there's something up with this Oliver Queen that we that we initially get. Mm-hmm. I, I I
0: appreciate the bleach arrow, the bleach the bleach jug the arrow, arrow, yeah, because. I noticed it, and I was like, "That's, you know, obviously that's a makeshift thing, but why bleach?" And uh, Stanley was his name, yeah. Um, Yeah. He even questions him a little bit later, and he's like, "Oh, the boxing glove arrow, you know."
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I love how that always comes into play.
0: Uh huh. Yep. The amnesia or the missing a decade Mm -hmm. is convenient for a story like this, but it Mm -hmm. still does a pretty good job about keeping it a mystery like reading through it you don't know what's going on Mm -hmm. and i mean in the earlier several like half half the arc if you guessed exactly what's going on that'd be pretty incredible because it really does take some leaps at the end Mm -hmm. um oh yeah jesse you have a more i think you know you you're more familiar with with oliver oliver queen how was this iteration, I guess Kevin Smith's iteration of the character versus some of the other comic book iterations?
1: Well, it was a little bit of a throwback because and and they even kind of mentioned that it's it's cuz Kevin Smith takes it back to that time and and the 90s. I mean, that's basically what we're talking about is is bringing Oliver Queen back to the nineties version of Oliver Queen. So he references all those ridiculous things that happened in the nineties. Like he starts calling out um, the, the, he calls out the new kids when he went, when he kind of re- reconnects with the JLA and he's like, you oh, know, yeah, he's yeah. pointing out Kyle Rayner as, as green lantern and wanting to know what's up with that. And, and he's getting to experience uh, uh, Arthur Curry as Aquaman, in in that current incarnation where he's got the long hair, the beard and the missing hand, Mm -hmm. you know, and and all of these things that were happening in the nineties, like Guy Gardner. I mean, like he references those things. And I think that was kind of fun. And that also made it less jarring that this, that this Oliver Queen was a little different than the Oliver Queen that we were used to. And that's all kind of reconciled pretty well at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, but, yeah, it, it was a little more over the top than than the Oliver Queen we had seen before that. And it's funny because at one point he gets to see an image of himself, like right before he quote unquote died. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, and it's funny. It, I thought that was funny. It made it kind of timeless because he's got that he's got that green hood that he basically is wearing in the show now. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of the green hood look to him. Except he still has the he still has the goatee and whatnot and i thought that was i thought that was pretty funny because it still applies he's like come on anybody you can photoshop or you know you can you can manipulate any kind of photograph and and why would i ever wear anything like that yeah mm-hmm. kind of, kind of like, even though it was the newer more modern costume
0: mm-hmm. yeah they 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 definitely had some fun with um him being out of time you know what i mean yeah like, yeah. pulled from his time. Uh-huh. Fish and, out of water style.
2: And, you know, I, I mean, it takes a while to get to it, but when they do, he seems like he takes it all really well for all the crazy stuff that they're like, you know, you're dead and your son is, which he does I don't think he even knows he has a son, is taking your place and you this, you know, you did, you did all these mean things and whatnot. And he's he just kind of, like, he takes it all very well for getting so much information all at once. Mm-hmm.
0: I think in terms of writing, I think how everyone else reacts to him being there and being mm. alive, I think it was handled really well. Uh-huh. Um, where he gets taken to the Watch – is it called the Watchtower? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I should know that. but And how the Justice League – as a whole reacts to him at the same time you get him reacting to them. Like, well, who's yeah. Like, like Jesse mentioned, you know, who's this guy? What's going on here? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That whole scene was, that was very interesting. Uh It was kind of, it was kind of fun, but also like I liked each of the characters reaction to him was, was very, very well handled.
2: I liked I liked it also. And of course I know Batman the best because that's, well, all that i've read really but i i loved his thing where he was like skulking in from the shadows somewhere and wanted like trying to take him away and experiment on him which he did but you know
0: uh-huh.
2: i'm like that's so batman i love it
0: there was okay yeah so <sighs> oliver ends up getting pretty upset at the watchtower mm-hmm. and then towards the end of all that does bat batman knocks him out right was it yeah. batman yeah. that knocks him out yeah. batman knocks him out takes him to the bat cave and then starts performing all kinds of tests to the uh, to the point where um was it stephanie brown that was there yeah spoiler yeah mm-hmm. she's like don't you usually perform an autopsy on someone who's already dead or something like that and then that sets up you know fun jokes like well Oliver queen is dead blah 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 mm-hmm. but it really does play on kind of like i understand you understand why batman would do that but it does play well on Batman's really extreme and mm-hmm. kind of crazy. Yeah. And yeah. not, like, he he doesn't care about socially how something should be handled yeah. if it means, you know, if he's worried there's a threat.
1: Surprisingly, I've always liked how Kevin Smith writes Batman. And usually when I think about, like, Batman versus how Kevin Smith does dialogue, I wouldn't think that those two would mesh. And maybe I've said this on the podcast before, but he does a really good job of capturing it. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he just kind of goes... I don't know if he goes silent Bob mode on it or what, but he just really pairs down the uh, the dialogue and makes it kind of to the point. Mm-hmm. Um, one, of, one of my favorite parts with that whole abduction scenario is where uh, Kyle and Wally are back there, and, and uh, Wally's like, 10 bucks says he's been hiding in the shadows for the last hour just <laughs> yeah. so he could come up with... Uh, put down that classy and Batman's like uh, and for the record uh, I just came up with that on the fly
0: (laughs) oh yeah 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 no I while he's carrying him off (laughs) I I oh yeah that part was that was really really good Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah I criticized kind of how Kevin Smith had wrote the Joker a little bit earlier Mm -hmm. but I would I will agree with you he nails he nails Batman very well Mm -hmm. and He'll still, there's still a lot of humor injected into stuff with Batman, but it's, and some of it comes from Batman, like in that case. I guess it's a little bit of poking fun at Batman, but he does well at pulling humor out of Batman interacting with others.
1: I'd like to call it Mike, Mike drop Batman. He just drops the mic, walks off with a, with an Oliver Queen.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's one part that I thought was great where, Oliver Queen asks about, you know, the arrow car and the arrow cave. (laughs) And Batman's like, did you ever have an original idea? Uh, I love that bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's It's just like acknowledgement. It's like, yeah, you stole all all your ideas from me, which is not Mm -hmm. completely untrue Mm -hmm. in terms of like Green Arrow as a character, Mm -hmm. obviously inspired by Batman
1: in terms of setup and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And it starts to get into that like supernatural almost swamp thing territory. Yeah. That's where we start to find out what's really going on with uh Oliver Queen yeah. and why he's got this ten year gap kind of thing.
0: This does get into swamp thing territory in that uh we have Etrigan.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: There's this the story hit a lot of things that I really enjoy. So reading through it I was I was Yeah, I was enjoying it quite a bit because we get Mm -hmm. Etrigan. And jumping forward even further, we get Deadman. Yeah, yeah. And then we get uh, Etrigan
1: possessed by Deadman. And I love that bit. When this all kind of happens at the same time, you know, like uh, Jason Blood and Etrigan, and they start to explain what's going on with the fact that the Oliver Queen that we have is is hollow. Mhm. Mm-hmm. He's Oliver Queen but his soul isn't intact. And uh and that's that's where we get pulled into, you know, the land of the undead, you know, the or the unliving. I don't I don't know how you how you term that. The afterlife. And that's where we we get to deal with Hal Jordan who who uh is also dead kind of as a result of the huge events that were kind of boom, 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 that caused Oliver Queen, Green Arrow, all these characters to kind of die out mm-hmm. um, before this story took place. And um, you get to see Hal Jordan in his role as the Spectre for a little while.
2: Mm-hmm. Which,
0: is, Which was very interesting to me.
2: Yeah, me too. I was going to say this. That was a surprise to me. And I was like, really? Wow. Hmm. I love that they call him a hollow. Mm. That's, yeah. that's great. And, and it made the title make sense to me too. The, the, I think he mentions it somewhere in there. Uh, yeah, he, he's not a, the arrow, he's the quiver.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: The like empty shells.
4: Great.
1: True. I'm flipping through it. And, and the reason that it's kind of clunky to review at this point is that this stuff literally all happens at, at once. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he's, Batman abducts Oliver Queen and takes him back to the Batcave. Runs all the tests. They do a little, uh, they do a little recon mission as the brave and bold. Yeah, um, yeah. They do that whole thing, and that leads, you know, like on their way there, they run into Roy and and uh, Dinah, and have a little kind of reunion for a second. Batman's trying to, ex- trying to. Expose Oliver to all these things, and that's when they come in contact with Etrigan. It's like it all happens like that. It's boom, 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 and then Etrigan, or you know, it's Etrigan just wants to destroy him because that's what Etrigan kind of does. Is Mm -hmm. is you know, like I have to do this. It's for your own good. But then uh, Jason Blood, he uh, he's willing to you know investigate it a little bit further and and a lot less hot headed way Mm -hmm. and. In that whole interchange where it looks like he's going to be destroyed, that's where Hal Jordan plucks him. Like, plucks him out of the action, brings him to the afterlife, and that's where we kind of get to... We finally start to get some answers while he's there. Yeah, we
0: learn that
1: he is a hollow,
0: and essentially that is a body with no soul. And Etrigan, for the benefit of Earth, really, is trying to destroy him because... That is essentially a body that's open to be possessed or taken over by some other demon who could use it and wreak havoc on Earth. So, I mean, Etragon is not necessarily... I mean, you don't want him to kill Oliver Queen, but he's not necessarily coming at it as a straight-up villain. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and when Jason Blood is like, okay, yeah, you're a Hollow," even Jason's Blood's like, lock the door... Alright, yep, we're gonna have to kill you.
2: I'm always interested in uh the comic book versions of the afterlife.
0: We get a lot of um how this came about. Um it's essentially uh it's how Jordan's doing. We basically end up in heaven mm-hmm. where and this is really jumping into it, where um Oh, and we come across a stranger because Etrigan, Dead Man, and the Stranger and Spectre, uh, if you're going into the afterlife in DC Comics, those are the characters that you have to see. Yes. So I was super jazzed about that because uh, some of my favorite Swamp Thing is when he's rolling around with those, that that lot, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so we get this hollow Oliver Queen meeting up with um, the more modern but dead Oliver Queen in Heaven. The Heaven stuff would really, like... I don't know what the difference is. Maybe it's just because Hell looks cooler. I don't ever question it when they go to Hell. Like, all the Swamp Thing stuff, I love that stuff. The Heaven stuff would really... It would not set well with me if I hadn't already, like... There's there's definitely precedent for it. Yeah. There's, there's Heaven. I've read other DC Comics stuff where they go to Heaven. Mm-hmm. Um... In the new 52, there was a storyline where Batman and a whole bunch of them are rolling around in heaven looking for somebody. I don't remember who. Um, So I've read stories about it. It just seems it's such a strange, strange thing Mm -hmm. that there's this established heaven in the DC universe. And that apparently it's not all that hard for characters just to wander up there and talk to dead people. It's just so weird to me.
1: Well, and I think it's it's kind of a risk to even include a heaven because, like, they run into Barry up there because this is all post-Crisis uh, on Infinite Earths. So we all just assume Barry is dead at the end of Crisis, that he sacrificed himself to save everybody, and, and then that's when we get Wally in the suit and, and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Barry's in heaven. Well, you know, fast forward. You know, before before New Fifty Two, even you get Barry Allen coming back, and he was never really dead. So it's kind of like, well, okay, we have to retcon things because oh yeah, that's mm-hmm. a, definitely. You know, and Jason Todd's up there. Like, you're like, hey, there goes one of the Robins. Yeah. Like, yeah. Wow, there's only one that ever died, so.
2: <laughs> well, maybe it's like you know, heaven doesn't have the same time frames we do you just wander around yeah there you go there you go yeah
1: but they they clearly had um they had uh gandhi i don't know who gandhi was talking to in that panel but it was gandhi and somebody
0: oh yeah yeah it's either kind of make or break if you're gonna buy that that's how they bring bring brought oliver back um but I don't know. It's, it's- yeah. It
2: was just how was sad that it was his fault that he died. So we wanted to bring him back to life. Yeah, basically, it was the situation. But
0: the soul of Oliver Queen didn't want to return.
2: Mm-hmm. And I think it was odd that they were like, <laughs> "But let's bring him back like ten years ago, so that he doesn't have the memories of of all the bad times."
0: Well, yeah, yeah. That that's what it was, and that I believe
1: didn't wasn't that. The that re- was actually Ollie's. Uh, that was actually Ollie's call. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. That, what, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: But, I mean, why would you want to do that to yourself, basically?
0: Well, I understand the thought process there, but he would have had to anticipate that it was going to cause all kinds yeah. of problems like yeah, it that's did. what I'm saying. It's not like he's not going to run into uh, Black black Canary mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, his son at some point in time. Yeah. We haven't even mentioned This this subplot with um, this child abductor, uh, child murderer thing going on Mm -hmm. that yeah turns out to be Stanley because he was trying to con he's a Satanist and or some such and he's trying Mm -hmm. to conjure um, this demon that has attached itself to Stanley's grandchild and this really wild because it starts off. And this, these, like, child abductions is kind of like, you know, it's part of the story mm-hmm. for maybe an issue or two. And then it's dropped until almost the very end mm-hmm. when it's brought back up. And it's like, oh, surprise, it's Stanley, you know. I like that demon. The,
2: the, the his grandson's demon? Yeah. Yeah, me too.
0: But that was, that was really bizarre. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, yeah, a lot of the, uh, when he was, exp- when it went back and explained, um like Stanley's involvement with the occult or whatever Mm -hmm. that seemed more Kevin Smithy to me. A lot of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was talking about, you know, the, the like orgies and whatever and, Oh, sure. And, um,
0: and Kevin Smith is, and he's mentioned it before. He's, he's, you know, a little bit older, but he's from the generation where, what was it? The late seventies, maybe Mm -hmm. where, satanic cults were like a legitimate worry that mm-hmm. people oh, in, yeah. in America had. Um, I've heard him mention that before, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's what popped in my, popped into my mind when I got to that section. I was like, okay, yeah, I could see, you know, mm-hmm. this is definitely something that he's, I mean, obviously he wrote it, he brought it all to it, but this is definitely something he's bringing to this.
2: Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated it because the other main, uh, DC thing that I've read is Sandman. And, uh, And they tie him in with this also through that um, through Stanley's um, occult activities. There's that point. I think it might be the point at which he he um, decided to try to like capture a demon or whatever, where he sees him uh, when while he's um, locked in the little bubble on Earth.
1: Oh, Sam! um, I didn't catch that. I caught the Jason blood moment but
2: mm. no it's when stanley's uh he's like going to europe and uh looking for information or whatever and then he goes to someone's party and in the basement there's uh a creature or whatever locked in a
0: it's like a jar it's like, it's, it's, like... it's, it's kind of like what he has his oh grandson yes okay yeah. okay never now i see what you're saying yeah yeah,
2: yeah and that's sandman
1: oh wow
2: yeah
0: yeah, I definitely wouldn't have known that. Right. Well, now you do. But that's that's yeah another cool little piece of mm-hmm. DC that he ties into it. Yeah. <laughs> like
1: that's the the uh, they have the couple that comes in and they've got this mullet. Was <laughs> it? I guess it's his son. When his uh, when his uh, uh, daughter comes in. That's yeah. Right. the crazy mullet going on and mm-hmm. the mustache.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, his his, it's his son-in-law, right? I think so. Her
1: husband or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. And that's where we kind of get to this, this kiddo, and he's like doing that. I mean, that's, that's how the demon comes into play is that he's doing all these rituals with the grandson. Mm-hmm. In his arms, basically, so it attaches to him. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. how weird is that? Uh, babysitting while, you know, trying to raise demons. <laughs> Conjure
1: this demon. And up to that point, he was really a pretty good babysitter. Yeah. It's true, it's true. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, adventures in babysitting. <laughs> <laughs> the demon chronicles.
0: That's really such a strange subplot, because, I mean, it ties into, you know, the whole Oliver Queen thing, like he recognizes that you know Oliver Queen is a husk so he can transfer his his self to the Oliver Queen mm-hmm. hollow a hollow is what they call it not husk same difference yeah but other than that it's totally its own little thing like it's mm-hmm. kind yeah. of sets up I guess it serves a couple purposes um, somebody to basically house Oliver Queen while he's in his amnesia mode yeah. so, so to speak. And then also provide this, like, climax at the end. Yeah. They end up fighting, what, a bunch of demons, right, at the end,
1: down there? And his his son ends up showing up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They're kind of uh, abducted, and, I, like, I don't remember why... Um, I don't remember why Speedy's down there, but... Or Mia. She, I think she becomes Speedy. Oh, really? Weird. Okay. Yeah, like, that's jumping ahead into the next story arc or whatever. But, like, he's got them all down there. Uh, I think she is, like, Uh, she's not just collateral collateral damage, but she's something. She she was part of the ritual. she, She was
0: staying there. Yeah. And if I remember right, the only reason he's got her locked up down there is so that he can take bodily pleasures. That's such a weird way to put it.
2: So he can violate her. So
0: he can violate her once he gets uh, this healthy young body of Ollie's. Um, it really is just skeevy old guy yeah. is the oh. only reason. Yeah, I'm going to trim that down to that. It really is just skeevy old guy. Yeah. Um, if I remember right, I don't think she like had any larger part in the ritual other than, mm-hmm. you know, a, a snack. Yeah. For later. Yeah, and there's this weird thing where there's like some type of protection. Around the house. Around the house, and only somebody with the same, shares oh, the same right. DNA can enter.
2: Yeah, so, uh, someone with all, Ollie's blood.
0: Which is...
1: Why of, Connor can get in and nobody else can. Yeah, oh.
0: yeah. Which I guess I didn't really think about it at the time. That's kind of funky writing.
1: Just scanning through it... Um... Uh, the the boxing glove arrow comes up again, like in that very last moment where he's like, "Oh dear Lord, we meet again." If the kid sees this, he's never going <laughs> to let me live it down. Oh yeah, uses yeah. I mean, yeah. that boxing glove arrow to do the final KO.
2: Him and what's Connor? Connor, yeah, yeah. I I suppose are fighting are fighting these demons, but they're losing, mm-hmm. um, and that's why um, I believe Tal finally convinces. The old Ollie to take over the body, come back and live so that his son doesn't die and his body isn't taken over by
1: these demons. Typical Kevin Smith moment, like when it all kind of resolves itself, like the big battle is kind of over. Uh (laughs) Of course, he's got to throw in this. Well, that was exciting. My nipples are all kind of hard. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah. No, exactly. That was one of those moments where I'm like, okay, Kevin, uh, I don't understand that one. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's exactly what I'm talking about. He can't help himself. He's 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 got an extremely filthy sense of humor, and mm-hmm. it does find its way into here. The last line, he does the super cheesy. Okay, so everything's resolved, and they're going to walk out. He does the super cheesy. This seems like the beginning of a wonderful what's that line that old cheesy
1: beautiful friendship
0: yeah i was (laughs) like oh come on Mm. but so i i binged through this i read all these in one evening um oh me too yeah and i will say i mean i enjoyed it at the time and there's a lot of stuff in it i liked a lot of characters i liked a lot of fun interaction Mm. um the mystery had me going like What's going on? How's this, you know, Mm -hmm. how is this going to resolve itself all the way through it? Um, You get to the end and you're like, didn't see that coming, but I don't think I could see that coming. Right. Um, Except for Stanley. I seen that coming. Yeah. Overall, it was really enjoyable. And it's one of those stories where when I thought back to it later, it felt like, uh, and I know I ridiculed that last super cheesy line, but this, that's kind of part of it. It felt like a movie. Like, it felt like a complete, like, you got the setup and then there's all this. Mm-hmm. It felt like a three-act
1: story-structured movie. Yeah. And it yeah. kind of worked really well in that respect. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's actually, like, ten... 10- you know, 10 episodes long or 10 issues mm-hmm. long, I think that probably helped it be more like a movie than what we're used to anymore is six or less. Oh, yeah, it's a four to six, and
0: that way they can break it up into trade paperbacks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this the longer, having the longer storyline, and it's all one cohesive storyline, yeah, yeah. definitely adds to that feel. And that's, like, yeah, thinking back to it, that's part of, I think, what I really enjoyed about it is... The story structure and the pacing; it was pretty well paced as well. Mm. So yeah, I I enjoyed it. I was I was
1: definitely glad that uh, you suggested it, Jesse. Well, I enjoyed the reread. I mean, I read this. I don't know. Not I wouldn't say that I read it in the nineties, but I or no, it didn't come out in the nineties. It was like super early two thousands, like two thousand two yeah, or something. But I, I read it a couple. You know, I read it years after the fact. Anyhow, I mean, like. Maybe two three years after it was already out and stuff, and it was like, oh, okay. Well, I should probably see how they brought Green Arrow back, since I had read the, you know, I'd read all the events where Coast Cities destroyed and and Parallax, where Hal Jordan goes crazy because of the um, because Parallax is the yellow um, flaw in the ring, and it's taking control of his mind, and and then his redemption, and so. Yeah, when I heard that this was a Kevin Smith, after reading the Daredevil run, I was like, yeah, I, I think I want to I see how he did that, because I kept hearing things about it.
2: Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I liked it. I thought it was good. Um, I don't read a lot of other um, DC comics, so it's nice to get a friendly introduction to some of the history. Mm-hmm and uh and the story was really good
1: was it was it a uh a good jumping on point do you think or do you think it was uh maybe too convoluted w- would we recommend it as a jumping on point for people that are curious about old green arrow
0: i would definitely
1: recommend it as
0: a jumping on point um because that's one of the things i was so impressed in it does reference a lot of different events in dc comics um as well as dealing with a lot of the current, like, um, like Hal Jordan being the, the specter at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, it ties a lot of that in, but at the same time, um, not, not having that knowledge going into this book, I didn't feel lost or overwhelmed. It really, I think he did a very good job at, um, bringing that stuff in, but also explaining it and making it not necessarily feel like you're missing something. Um, so yeah, I would definitely think it was. I would definitely suggest it as a jumping on point mm-hmm. um, for a, for a new reader or a reader that's unfamiliar with with that stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Personally, yeah. I
2: agree.
0: All, all my, m- most of my knowledge is New Fifty Two, and who knows what's going to happen with that. <laughs> oh sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, once it's all converged and whatnot. Uh huh. And that's one. That's always a worry I have. Because I know there's a lot of a lot of older stories that I I, w- I would like to and I should go back and read, um, but it's always a concern as to like, well, am I going to hit one that is good at filling me in, or am I going to hit one of those like weird tie-in events that just leaves me confused? So this definitely is a, a a good jumping on point. Oh, and sorry to jump back real quick because there was something that popped in my mind. Um, the girl, I can't remember her name offhand.
1: Uh, Mia, Mia Drearden, is that right?
0: Yeah, and he comes across, uh, Oliver Queen comes across her fairly early in a bad situation and helps her out and all this and that. So she goes back to her boyfriend pimp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and at first she's, you know, like she's obviously in that, like st- I don't want to stay stereotypical, but it kind of is, that cliche, um, and it's cliche for a reason, but that cliche, like, he's like, whoa, you know, I, who, I'm the only one who cares for you, cares about you, and blah, blah, blah. This, like, bad, you know, relationship type thing. But when he decides to attack her, she suddenly becomes super awesome and beats the crap out of this guy uh-huh. and cuts his hand. And I don't know, that was, we Melanie and I were talking about how that was kind of odd to where at first she seemed kind of helpless, but then was like...
2: Yeah, yeah. Like, like just one one small exposure to the Arrow and suddenly she's a freaking superhero <laughs> and he's going to take this yeah. guy out, you know?
0: Yeah. And a little bit her personality after that versus our introduction to her and her and this, and this guy seemed a little at odds, but yeah, whatever. I mean, it wasn't bad. It was just – that was just kind of an odd thing mm-hmm. that struck me as a little off reading it, but
2: yeah. – Yeah, it was like a complete personality change almost because, I mean, obviously she had not had a great life and whatever and was in this crappy situation, but it, she just kind of, it kind of seemed like she had accepted being a victim and to completely flip and then in that, from that one thing become like super confident and I'm going to, you know, take control of everything and whatever. I mean, maybe, maybe it happens, but it it just seemed odd. It seemed like it would take.
0: And very abrupt. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was very abrupt and, and kind of, uh, all happened at once rather than, you know, kind of an evolution. Mm
1: -hmm. So here's a question. Um, going like jumping back to the current, like the show, um, do you think, because Speedy, I mean, Mia becomes the second Speedy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the first, the first Speedy is Roy Harper. And we get a little bit of that joke in, in the show where he, he kind of like calls, uh, Roy Speedy. He just does it once and, it, and the, now, now he's Arsenal. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what he winds up being. Um, do you think that they're kind of, they've taken the Thea character and they're turning her into Mia?
2: Yeah, I think he's Definitely. called her
1: Speedy.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, and I believe, yeah, really early, like, the first episode, yeah. second episode, I think he called
1: her Speedy as uh-huh. well. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, that's that's the pet nickname that he's had for her since the beginning. And, uh-huh. and so I, I'm like, I don't think Thea was ever, I don't think she was ever Speedy in the comics. And so I'm wondering if she's going to be Speedy number two. On a, I mean, she'll essentially be Speedy number one, but. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I. I that yeah, defi- I not think
2: so. Once, especially once they started training her, or her, whatever, once mm-hmm. Malcolm started training her, that's what I suspected was happening.
0: Yeah, that definitely seems the way it, it that they're going with it. Mm-hmm. But
1: then again, who knows? Maybe it'll be Laurel. Oh uh, Ridic- no, yeah, ridiculous. Well, they've, they've kind of they've kind of uh, re- you know like they've started retconning things or or adding in little hints, and now they mentioned that she's Dinah. So I think she's going to remain as the Black Canary. Yeah, even uh, though even though they're gonna do weird stuff with the spinoff series, which is gonna apparently see the comeback of, of uh, oh, I've already forgotten the sister's name. So Sarah. do? She... Did... Oh yeah.
2: no, she's coming back.
1: I don't know. I don't know how it works, but that's what they're that's what they're saying is gonna happen. Is that they're gonna have uh, the Rogues are gonna be in the spinoff show. Uh, that Adam will move over to the spinoff show that Sarah Lance is going to move over to the spinoff show. That's weird. So I'm curious how this is all going to happen and how it's going to work. I haven't heard a whole lot about the spinoff, but I'm a little concerned because
0: and you mentioned some characters that I didn't realize they were going to put over there. It seems like it's really messy. Yeah. Like, like
1: Adam and Firestorm and, it, to me, it doesn't make any sense to pull out the rogues. Uh, yeah, they're the, one yeah. of they're one of the Flash's core villains. I mean, yes, we could see and we could see it overdone easily. I mean, Captain Cold is probably already getting old for people, but he is like Barry's main nemesis. When Barry does come back, the rogues are like ready to retire. When they hear that Barry comes back from the crisis, they're like, "No, game on." Well, and.
0: Okay, yeah, you don't want to drill them to death in the show over and over. You don't. You don't want Captain Cold to be there till to be in every episode to where it's ridiculous. But also, it doesn't really make sense at all to pull him out and make him a regular character on a different show. When yeah, you're right. It is like Barry's main villain.
2: And didn't he or the Flash make a big deal about? Um,
0: he the Flash was part of the reason in a, earlier episodes that he was. Wanted to like start a ruckus because he was intrigued by him.
2: But he made a big deal about not leaving the city because it's his city.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: So I Yeah, I kinda
1: that. laughed at that too, knowing, you know, the the meta stuff, knowing that outside of this, you know, he apparent I don't know if he isn't leaving or where this spin off series takes place, but I don't think it takes place in either Central City or Star City. I don't think a team up show
0: is a terrible idea. It just seems like weird that the way they're doing it
2: yeah and 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 the characters that they're choosing to put together
0: like i don't know that the adam would be able to stand his own show but like they brought they introduced the flash Mm -hmm. or at least barry's character in there in arrow and then spun it off that makes sense Mm -hmm. it's just weird to like i don't know they the characters don't just don't mesh the the people that they've mentioned are going into this team up show don't seem to mesh to me. Mm-hmm. And right.
2: if if there was going to be one character that would have be like the main character, I would see it being the Atom, mostly because the actor seems more like a leading actor.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Um, but
1: <laughs> who, Superman?
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> I'm finally getting over seeing him as just Superman. Yeah, it's hard not yeah. to, but Is
2: Superman um, looking. But I don't know about the others, and I really hope they don't. How, how are they going to kill her off and then bring her back? When she, I never liked her anyway, and she has a butt face, and <laughs> they need to not use her.
0: Yeah, I don't think she's the best actress, but I have more beef with Laurel. At least what they've done with Laurel, she doesn't make any. It doesn't make. Any, I don't know. She just doesn't yeah. At, least, at
1: least Sarah, like her training, makes sense, but yeah. like. You put Laurel in the costume, and it's like, okay, first of all, why is she using the bow staff at all? She had no training with the bow staff. Mm-hmm. Sarah did, but but no.
2: There was a little bit where she used a nightstick.
1: Yeah, that'd be all right. I mean, if she, if that's what she trained uh, with Wildcat, I guess. Mm, she.
2: she I, don't, I don't think she did. She just
1: had it. <laughs> Punching. <All right>.
2: Um, <laughs> but if she's going to start... If she's gonna steal her sister's girlfriend, maybe uh maybe she'll get a little better and- <laughs> that definitely seems the
0: yeah. way it seems to be the way it's going again, I think we might be an episode behind, but the last episode we
1: watched it definitely seems like
2: they're getting very friendly,
1: yeah, kinda they they allude to it in this most recent episode, but they don't I mean
0: oh, okay, yeah, it just seemed like a pickup at the end of that episode, yeah like and I understand you know it was. Uh, she loved her sister. Well, they, you know, they both loved her sister, and you know, they were they're sad and blah blah blah. So they're gonna hang out, which is kind of weird, anyway. But just the way it was approached, it felt like a pickup.
2: Mm-hmm. For all things nerdy, visit the Growlitz Podcast YouTube channel at youtube.com/slash Podcast. There are new videos every week. Get the scoop on current headlines with Comic News Roundup, hosted by Animated Randall and Melanie. Listen to full podcast reruns with chapter skips to jump right to the stories that interest you and access to the all-new and amazing shows that try to pop out of our brains and into your eye holes. That's youtube.com slash Grawlix Podcast.
0: So you got
1: some webcomic stuff to talk about?
0: A webcomic
2: recommendation? (laughs) Webcomic recommendation?
1: I feel like we should call these shout outs more than anything because I'm not going to recommend a webcomic I don't like, and most of the ones I like are going to be my friends already um, but anyways, my shout out slash recommendation is going to be uh, rain Dogs, which is written by Stephen McGee and you can find it at raindogcomic.com. Um, this is one of those comics that you know it's like i it's like a save the best for last kind of thing. So it's like I could have reviewed this right out out of the gate because it's one of my favorites. It's one of the comics that I read uh, every time he posts. But you know, it's like I'm kind of biased. So when I, when I have a bias, I tend to save it. Uh, so Rain Dogs. The original premise for the web comic was that it's. Um, it's about kind of the swan song of the record store, and by record we mean, you know, actual vinyl. Mm-hmm. And so the way that the comic starts, it's it's kind of a long form comic in that, uh, even though you have kind of a gag-a-day premise, it's about two guys that are essentially running a record store. Even though records are essentially faded out to the point where collectors are the ones that are are most interested in buying uh, vinyl, and so you you get to see the kind of wacky antics that they that they go through and and the strange adventures that they go on. And he does. He has a long form story that involves kind of a like a Mad Max crew of uh, senior citizens that get woven into the storyline. And it's a, it's a lot of fun, even though it takes place in kind of a serious subject matter of, you know, like being a collector and and vinyl and music and, and what, you know, how that's changed over the eras. Uh, he's got this awesome, Almost non sequitur vibe to the strip, where where just random things happen, and you're like, oh my god, that's awesome and crazy and funny. Um, so he's got a book out at his, you know, at it in his store. So definitely check it out. Uh, and that is uh, his first volume, and it collects kind of the major story arc of the beginning of the strip. And uh, now, if you are following Raindogcomic.com, if you're following what he's up to now, he's he's kind of shifted gears into more of a almost single panel style uh, storytelling, which is kind of crazy. It's like when I think about single panel, um, Far Side is usually the one that people think about because Gary Larson really just nailed that. Um, Gary Larson was kind of ahead of his time because web comics, a lot of times, are going back to that. If you want to get that vir, that quick fix viral element to your web comic, you go single panel because that's going to get a lot of shares. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's just a one. You know, people will scroll through their feed, they'll see this one one panel drop, and they'll stop and read it especially if there's something crazy going on in that panel they're going to go what's what is this about so they'll re- they'll read the dialogue and the caption hmm. so that's kind of where rain dogs is right now and i highly recommend it uh, right now Stephen mcgee has a really good uh, guest strip up at uh, ninja and pirate which we reviewed in the past which i highly recommend you go check out as well at ninjaandpirate.com They've had a couple guest strips up lately, uh, Ninja and Pirate, that is, and I I even did one. So so not only go see Rain Dogs, but also go see Ninja and Pirate because there's a lot of fun things happening. Uh, Joe Flanders over there, uh, he just recently had a child, so he's on like a slight hiatus right now, and that's why you're seeing so many uh, guest strips up over there.
0: Oh, that's awesome though that you know people yeah.
1: s- kind of step in and contribute oh yeah Mm -hmm. oh yeah the web web webcomic community is awesome for stepping up and helping out so congratulations to joe by the way
2: yep i've I've got some names if you
0: need any he's got names for your child (laughs) (laughs) she just wants to name things (laughs) things being children (laughs) I don't even think that part of the conversation is going to end up in the episode,
1: but this part oh. this, this part probably will. It's going to seem really weird. <laughs> so on the break, we were talking about naming things. Yep. <laughs> um All right.
0: I have no good no good segue for this one. Do So
1: just so the moral of the story is uh webcomics are good. And that's like a fable, and fables <laughs> are like poll lists, and poll lists happen to include fables. Uh, yep. Very good. And sometimes, not really, but thank you. <laughs> and sometimes,
0: even bad guys, bad bring out the bad guys.
1: Okay. <laughs> did, it, did did we talk about that on air?
0: Um. Oh, I don't know. Was that on air? We talked about it.
1: I don't know when you started recording. I can cut it, it,
0: can. it in. It could be on air. Yeah. No. Let's say we didn't. Okay. Um, so, yeah. We're going to talk about uh, Fables, if you can't tell from that lovely segue. Um, <laughs> 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 but first, we're going to, as we usually do, uh, pick our next poll list. Pick the winner this month. Um... Is Marvel Bring On the Bad Guys. Yep.
2: Which is good because we need to read more Marvel anyway.
0: Yeah, I agree. I definitely need more Marvel in my diet.
2: I only need more One. Marvel to, to round out my my uh readership, but I I really just want a whole bunch of indie stuff.
0: <laughs> just yeah, pretend yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just pretend it's indie.
2: Yeah, I will. I'll try.
0: Just uh, you know, Get it, Get some image comic stickers and stick it over the Marvel logo. Okay. And maybe you'll feel better. <laughs>
1: yeah. There's a slap a Grolix on by Stan
0: Lee. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Okay. Or slap a Grolix on Stan Lee himself.
2: Oh, that would be awesome.
0: <laughs>
2: I like how excited you were
1: about that. 90 <laughs> year old. 90-year-old man's got a Grolic sticker in his forehead.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs>
1: and he's just like, Excelsior! That's what
0: I was yep, that's what I was picturing in my head.
2: We should totally make some Grolic stickers, like the big Grolics and then in the corner have the little, uh, scan it to the web, you know, scan it with your phone and mm-hmm. take it to the website, and then just go slap them on everything and everyone, especially at, like, a con, mm-hmm. that would rock. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Yeah, sorry.
0: No, I, uh, it's a good idea, uh, Jesse and I have talked a little bit about Grolic stickers, and yeah. that's the slap of Grolics on it. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, go find some uh, some some foul graffiti uh, yeah. somewhere. Slap a
1: Grolic sticker on it. Yeah. Yep. Oh, just sh-
0: clean.
1: You know, it's public service. It's it's community service. We're just cleaning things up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So slap a Grolics on it, folks. It's certainly not self promotion. No. 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 Grolixpodcast.com, grolixpodcast.com, grolix. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. So, so yeah, for uh next month, um we are going to read some of Marvel's Bring on the Bad Guys, I believe is the title. Um yes. it's kind of a lofty book, and next month we're going to we're going to be, be we will be beginning God, that's a odd sentence to spit out. We bee
4: bee. We bee bee <laughs> be
0: be begin. Man. Man. Uh Dead Air. The Dead Air segment will start. So we are also going to start reading through some Walking Dead trades. Um and discussing that on the show. So, um, since Bring on the Bad Guys is pretty lofty, and I believe as Jesse has stated before, it's also um you know, some older, some Stan Lee and older Marvel stuff, so it's a little wordy. Uh, we're going to break that one in half. So Bring on the Bad Guys will probably be the pull list pick for the next two episodes. Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Yeah. Yes. Okay, I thought so, so. So next time, it looks like we are going to go ahead and uh, conquer Dr. Doom, the Dread mammu. And don't send me hate mail if I pronounce that wrong. (laughs) And Loki. So we've got some fan favorites in the first half already. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure.
2: And I hope you did not pronounce that wrong because that sounds like so much fun to say. Uh, (laughs) If
1: I I pronounced it wrong, I have been pronouncing it wrong most of my life.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, I do pronounce stuff wrong all the time and that's okay.
1: Segway sound? No, sorry. <laughs> yeah, there, it was kind of
0: a segue sound. Uh, no, I was wondering if I had Outlook on my phone because that is where our Grolix email is. Um, But I don't – because you mentioned hate mail and it got me thinking. I wonder if we got any emails,
1: but I don't think we do. Was it uh, – Let well, you know, <laughs> like let's inspire a little bit of hate mail. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Was it letters? Letters, letters at Grolix.
0: Yep. Letters at Grolix um, So if you send us some hate mail or some love mail, uh, we will read it on the next episode. That's something uh, like the mailbag, the letters page section is something I would like to do. So uh, send us some questions or your thoughts on something we've talked about or your thoughts on something we will be talking about, like Marvel's Bring on the Bad Guys or Walking Dead, and uh, we'll address it on the show. Because that sounds like a lot of fun. (laughs) I'm not on my game. I am
1: not on my game today.
0: If it's not apparent.
1: (laughs) I don't think it sounds genuine when you laugh yet. (laughs) Uh, Oh.
0: (laughs) Because that sounds like a a, a lot of fun. (laughs) Um, No, I, I, I am excited. I just, you know, people need to email us.
2: Yeah. People need it. People Correspondence. Need s- what?
1: Correspondence. Yeah. We know you're out there. We've heard. We've heard uh, the the analytics stats <laughs> saying that <laughs> saying that you're out there. So we want to hear what you want to hear. Yeah. Wait. What? Did that make sense? It. it, it yeah. We need feedback. Feed us. We, uh, Feed
0: yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. However. This month, we'll be talking about fables. What were you, I'm, you were going to say something, though. What were you going to say? Um,
2: I was going to say in a previous episode, I had um, mentioned that I might choose something later um, than... Or something other than the beginning um, fables because it gets so much better, but I couldn't think of it. I couldn't think of where to jump in. Where it wouldn't spoil things you had already learned earlier on or that – where you wouldn't have needed to read earlier on to know what was going on.
0: Basically, there's no good jumping on points other than the beginning. Right.
2: But it does get better.
0: So we – well, I, I enjoyed the beginning. Um, so we read uh, the first basically Fables, trade paper – or Fables Volume 1, the first trade, um, contains issues 1 through 5.
2: By Bill Willingham. Lan Medina and Steve Leola wait. Le- Le- Leola?
0: Can I say <laughs> I don't know why I think it's
1: I would do better. L
2: I E H O L A
1: Lealoa? Yeah. Laaloa.
2: Sounds very uh Hawaiian. I mean I don't know that it is, but that's what it makes me think.
0: So okay. So we're gonna get into it. This is the review proper. We're gonna do this one right. Um, so fables. The basic setup is that uh, all the fairy tale stories and the characters like like Jack and Jack and the Beanstalk and all those uh, the Big Bad Wolf. Um, basically they are all characters. Uh, the fables were was like fairy tales took place in actual places, and those places got overtake got um overthrown by the adversary Mm -hmm. and basically all these fable characters were exiled into the real world where they now live in New York um, with regular people, but they can't let, you know, the regular people know Mm -hmm. anything about that. But um,
2: I wouldn't really say so much that they were exiled (laughs) as that they escaped and they're kind of refugees. Yeah. And they refer to our world as the Monday world.
0: Yeah. Imagine because
1: it's mundane. Exactly. So initial thoughts, it it reminds me of, one, Once Upon a Time, which is a television show that's out that I don't actually watch, but I've seen, like, a couple episodes just because. hmm it, it reminds me of that, and it also reminds me of, uh, like, Harry Potter.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Hmm. The way
1: you got like the muggles, the people that just don't know that magic exists. So the mundy I mean, like when you say Mundy, I have a hard time not thinking muggles, but that's because I've read all the Harry Potters. Yeah,
0: me too. I I hadn't even, I hadn't even made that connection, but yeah, that's yeah.
2: yeah, I automatically did. And I do think of it every time, but yeah.
0: Yeah. That's It's exactly the same type of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, The fables, most of them live in this section of New York that they kind of, uh, titled Fable Town mm-hmm. and uh, the fables that look human generally are fine. Um, the, the fables that don't usually look human either have to uh purchase this, what elixir? I think they call it a glamour. Yeah, purchase a uh, glamour. It's a spell, I believe that makes them look normal. Or they have to go live on the farm upstate, mm-hmm. um, away from the Mundies, so that. The normal people are none the wiser. Mm-hmm. We had played the first episode of the Telltale Games, "The Wolf Among Us," yeah, which is the f- Fables the video game, basically. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was surprised at how similar that because that, that was my first exposure to the Fables setting at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very similar to this first story. Uh, it's not. Huh. Ex- it's not exactly the same, but. It follows, your main characters are Bigby, who is the big bad wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, he's pretty much the the, poli- the the police officer or the detective. He, he, he's the sheriff. The sheriff of Fable Town. Mm-hmm. Um, and Snow, who's Snow White. Uh, and she's kind of runs, she's not like the mayor or whatever his title is, but she pretty much runs the government, the organizer mm-hmm. you know, their little government. She's like, in control of a lot of that.
1: It's
2: like how governments normally work. There's the figurehead and then there's a the person who actually does all the work.
0: Yeah. And, and she's the one who actually does all the work.
1: Yeah. She's like assistant director of operations or something, but she does everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So it was, so it, I had kind of exposure to the setting and this, this, well, I should say the video game re-establishes a lot of the same things that this story arc sets up mm-hmm. about the world, which wasn't an issue for me. I was a little surprised. I was like, oh, I kind of know more about this than I thought I did. Mm-hmm. but initial initial reactions to this first story arc of fables uh, like the video game. I enjoyed it a lot i I like the character of Bigby mm-hmm. um, and I like the. I like the premise of these fairy tale characters like I like the idea that they have to, you know what we basically just t- talked about I liked I like that premise and it's kind of set to this uh murder mystery detective story and I really like that a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. It's fun that they pull in like kind of these strange little uh fairy tale almost just like rhymes like Little Boy Blue is just like an extra. Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't have much of a story, if we're honest about it. It's like, little boy blue, come blow your horn. And so now he's kind of just an extra guy that's going to help out with the investigation. And, and Big B's going to go ahead and boss him around a little bit.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And, you know, as later on, especially as you go through the book, you're introduced to more characters. But there's a lot of uh, of stories that are kind of obscure that they bring in eventually Mm
4: -hmm.
2: but um i like that they have you know the the regular like fairy tale heroes and then they have the bad guys but they don't they're not bad guys in in the storyline they're like you know in in the fable world you were a bad guy but we were we were all you know in the same situation running Mm -hmm. away trying to you know stay alive so all your Bad deeds in whatever world you came from are forgiven, and here, you know, everybody's kind of equal.
0: Yeah, you kind of start over. What is, they they mention it several times because while Big B is investigating this murder, occasionally when he's like um, uh, questioning someone, mm-hmm. it'll be like, "Well, you know, didn't you this 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 when you in the fable in fable Land, you know." Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, that's, that's from before. That's what's the word. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Amnesty. Amnesty, Basically like, like, Mm -hmm. uh, Jack was a giant killer. He went on a giant killing spree, but (laughs) that was before amnesty and we can't bring it up now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right.
0: Um, well, and big B himself was the big bad wolf in several stories. Right. Um, I like
2: that also that like the, Big B was in several stories and Jack besides just being the the giant slayer um, I don't know if that they bring that up in in this run but was the Jack from like all the stories where there's a Jack pretty much yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: you know I wondered if he was Jack be nimble Jack be Jack quick mm-hmm. I I was wondering about that because they kind of give him this idea that he's kind of a con man mm-hmm. and so I was like that sounds like Jack be nimble Jack be quick but then they reference the giant killing
2: yeah, no, he's he's the Jack from several different stories, and uh, yeah, I guess they didn't bring that up in, in these comics, but you do find out later that that he's from from several different ones. Mm-hmm.
0: So this uh, they introduce you to the basic concept pretty quick. I believe the first issue um, where you uh, who is is it Jack who is rushing over to yes. Bigby's, um, yeah. and Jack is found found this uh bloody scene mm-hmm. um but it really gets into setting up the world the next scene is like well, oh i call them scenes you know what i mean yeah. um it's snow and she's dealing with uh beauty and the beast mm-hmm. and right away like i was impressed with the way that they handle like kind of taking these crazy fa- fairy tale concepts where um, it's it's the beauty's love that makes the beast look human and now they've been married for so long and their relationship's not so good so he looks like a beast and that's an issue because he needs to yeah. look normal and they can't afford a glamour to make him look good mm-hmm. Um, and you know it's the idea is she doesn't love him and there's this marital thing like I really enjoyed that and it sets kind of the tone but it also like does a really good job at, like, establishing a lot of the rules of the
1: world, but in a very um, uh, entertaining way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it hooked me right away. Mm -hmm. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: And it was a real, yeah, it was, like you said, a real organic way to do exposition without, like, saying it. Mm -hmm. They said it, but it was, like, in a pseudo, uh, almost therapy session with Snow White. Mm -hmm. And so you get to introduce a whole bunch of like characters that may be interesting and may be important, but aren't super important to the story at large, Mm -hmm. but kind of ground you in what is the setting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Oh yeah. And it, it it establishes Snow White's role in the world right off. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it, it does. It, like you said, it, it, it hooked you it hooked me right away and that was that first scene i was i was on board with that um with it after that and i think the characters are handled really well like you get a good grasp at the personalities of like bigby i like bigby mm. you, it seems like you get a good grasp on his character and snow white and most of the characters that play that play a major role in this storyline anyway they feel fairly flesh, flesh uh flushed out fleshed out yeah. yeah yeah um prince charming is pretty amusing because he's just a total sleazy dirtbag uh-huh. who like a, a male gigolo
1: sort mm-hmm. yeah like like mcdreamy if he were a bad guy yeah China. but not really a bad guy just kind of a red herring bad guy
2: but he has to be because you know like once again how many how many stories has prince charming been in
1: yeah, huh. right, right, right. And that could be that became a question in my mind too because you kind of got the obviously you got the sense that uh Him and Snow White had history, but then you also sort of got the idea that Cinderella was involved with uh Prince Charming. Is that is that the fact or is that the case?
2: Yeah, I know for sure it's Snow White um Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty. Okay. I'm not sure about who else.
0: Nice. Yeah. Yeah, and in this, Prince Charming, our kind of introduction to him is he picks up, uh, basically picks up a waitress, Mm -hmm. and very quickly you get that he's a dirtbag because he stays, you know, stays a night at her house and the next day. He's like, I helped myself to some of your money in your purse, and I left some laundry here. If you'd do that before I get back, that'd be great, and all this and that. And it's just mm-hmm. like... And then he takes off, and it's like, wow. Yeah. Wow. Um,
2: he lives off of... Yeah. He lives off of his good looks and his abilities in the bedroom.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of humor in this, and I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, again, I mentioned uh, taking the this the concept mm. but applying it in um well yeah organic but kind of like realistic uh, adding like a level of realism to yeah. the pretty out there concept right um there's definitely there's some kind of somber moments that big b has i can't remember specifically offhand but there's like he hits some serious moments like i can tell that the st- the series won't shy away from drama. Right. And I think the characters are well written enough that it seems like the drama would have impact. Mm -hmm. Um, There's some drama in this, but I could see, you know, I could see it setting up more.
2: The story begins with what's his name? Jack, uh, coming in and there's blood all over and they have to go in and investigate. And then the blood supposedly belongs to, um, Rose red.
1: Yeah. Uh, now Rose Red, is she uh, is she Little Red Riding Hood? That was one of the things I was kind of stumbling over is who is she? she? She's Snow White's sister, but is she in a fable or is she just Snow White's sister?
2: Um she is not Little Red Riding Hood. Um I don't actually know this, but this is what I I wanted to bring up. She's one of those characters that I probably should have looked it up by now, uh, but I haven't because I just accepted it. Um, I I had never heard of Rose Red. I don't know who she is, but I'm assuming there's some sort of fairy tale about her.
0: I'm going to find out. Okay. Yeah, no, me too. I, I, I was not familiar, but I didn't question it because there's a lot of fairy tales I'm unfamiliar with. Mm
2: -hmm. Um, In fact, we run into more just in this storyline that I I didn't really know about.
1: Yeah. Well, and and that was – I don't know. Like it kind of bugged me kind of thing because I got to figure it out. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, I kind of didn't like that – I, like I said, I just accepted it, but I didn't like that she's Rose Red because that totally makes me think of Stephen King. And um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and so I'm like, yeah, I need to get that out of my brain because that's just gonna sour her character for me a little bit.
1: <laughs> she's a house, and she keeps building herself.
2: Yeah.
0: Let's see, Snow White and Rose Red, which kind of makes sense now. The naming scheme. Yeah. Um right. Wikipedia says Snow White and Rose Red is a German fairy tale. The best known version is the one collected by the Brothers Grimm as tale number 161. Uh let's see. An older, somewhat shorter version, the Un- Ungrateful Dwarf, was written by Carolyn stall. Let's see. It is not to be confused with the Grim fairy tale Snow White. Um, that provided, you know, the story that we know. Mm -hmm. This is a completely different version of Snow White, and she has nothing in common with the other one, other than sharing her name in English and having an encounter with a dwarf.
2: (laughs) I know what their story is later on.
0: Okay, they're two little girls living with their mother, a poor widow, in a small cottage. They are very good little girls. They love each other dearly, and their mother is very fond of them. Rose Red is outspoken and cheerful and lives to play outside. Snow so White is quiet and shy and prefers doing housework and reading. Let's see. There's a knock at the door. Rose Red opens the door to find a bear. Um,
2: it stays for the winter.
0: This is a whole thing.
2: Yeah. It's, it's a big, long story.
0: But it's, yeah, not...
2: They do tell the story later, but I didn't know that that was specifically the...
0: Okay, yeah. So
2: it it is i guess then another fairy tale but again this is she's both snow white mm-hmm. she's the snow white you know from you know the disney movie and she's the one from that german story
0: and apparently you don't ever mention the dwarves to her or she gets very oh, upset oh yeah,
1: There's yeah. okay that that gets interesting then yeah mm-hmm. um yeah i was unfamiliar with that story
0: but like i said you know I there's a lot of fairy tales I don't know of, so yeah. I was just like, okay, I'll roll with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Rose Red is missing or dead, mm-hmm. and that is where the murder investigation or the the general investigation, you know, goes from there. Mm-hmm. Um, the, in terms of like a detective story, mm-hmm. uh, I thought it was good. There was some interesting stuff. Uh, in the end, it's not totally unpredictable Mm -hmm. like i kind of guessed it yeah um
2: i liked how much fun big b and uh i forget what they call him uh because they change it they call him something different later but the the fly um guy you know
0: mm oh
2: maybe maybe What what
0: do they have him do in the story
2: I think he just helps out, it, like assists a little bit, um, and probably Boy Blue and stuff. Um, how much fun they yeah. have, like investigating, like recreating the scenes and and yes, things like yes. that. <laughs> that was a
1: good scene. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> kind of halfway through, they have to recreate the scene of the crime with the blood to find out how much was used. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, what was his name, though? Flycatcher. Yeah, something like the that.
2: The redhead in the like overalls.
1: He's kind of the custodian in the building.
2: Yeah. I think they call him flycatcher, but he's basically the the frog prince, but he's in human form.
1: Okay. I didn't catch that reference. That makes a lot more sense now.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, he was he in the video game then? Um, I'm
2: not because sure because there's a frog Character. Oh no, no that's, oh, a, that's different a different frog.
0: frog? Oh okay. Yeah. Um It's not easy being green. <laughs> that, that's a callback to multiple things, but also a call back yep. to a very old
1: episode. Well not very Swampy. old. Swampy. But... Yeah. That's a that's a swamp thing call back right there. Yep. Mm. Yep.
2: <laughs> but yeah, besides just recreating, I think they had I think Big B specifically had a lot of fun just being M- the detective, you know. Oh yeah. Because I I don't think in, I don't think a lot of his job is detective work. I think it's just you know, stop S- doing that and
0: settling you know minor yeah. regular type police work. Right. Um, I think even yeah, jumping because I, I'm going to mention it now. It's jumping towards the end, but as he as he describes it, the parlor scene. Yeah. He, he yeah he has a long speech about um you know, there's in, in mysteries, there's always the parlor scene where the detective or whoever gets to spell it all out, what happened, figured out, you know, who, you know, what happened, who it happened to and how he figured it out. And Big B like relishes in that. And he has this big speech about most police and most detectives don't ever get a blah, 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 you know, get a chance at something like this and I'm gonna, I'm gonna savor it, and he just draws it out to where everybody's standing around, like, "Well, what is it?" And he just keeps going on about the, the parlor scene, mm-hmm. before he actually spills it out, like, you know, mm. the parlor scene. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Mm. Uh, good.
2: We're jumping back. Yes. Um, so, but initially they, you don't know, have to assume that she's s- dead. S- some foul play happened. Mm-hmm. And going through the, the suspects, they initially suspect Jack, I believe.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and then established right away that he's like a shifty character. Mm-hmm. Not to be trusted and whatnot. And then the second person I believe that they suspect is Bluebeard. And that's another one that I think I had heard of him, but I wasn't familiar with.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um...
0: It- Good. And Bluebeard is um, very wealthy mm-hmm. because in a way he kind of exploited a lot of the other fables. Um, he was able to assist in a lot of them getting out in exchange for a lot of wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a TARDIS apartment. Yes! he. It's larger on the – he has an entire – like they go into his apartment and they even mentioned beforehand, you know, he's got so much money, he's surprised that he lives in such an, a small apartment. And they go in, and he has literally a whole castle in his apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was pretty awesome. Yep. And and he's not the most likable character at all. He's definitely a kind of a Lex Luthor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: He does seem a lot like a Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but the with the goatee. Yeah. yeah. But the Bluebeard story is. Um, I think he was supposed to have been a pirate uh, or something, but he would marry, married women and then murder them.
0: Yeah. And they, and they throw that at him several times. And again, that's one of those things that's, you know, uh, legally been forgiven. Mm-hmm. It was before the exile or, or the whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that gets mentioned several times.
2: Yeah. But it makes him a suspect because apparently he was engaged to Rose Red.
0: Mm hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, do we, do we want to, I know we talked spoilers, but do we want to get into the whole exactly what happened or not?
2: I don't know, babe. I, I thought we always did spoilers.
0: Well, we do, but sometimes, you know, sometimes it's not always necessary, necessary to the review. And then sometimes like in the, like in green arrow, mm-hmm. um, Kind of. If we're going to talk about it, we kind of have to talk spoilers. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not sure. I it's... think in the case of a who done it, like which we are talking about right now, mm-hmm. um, folks, now would be a good time to maybe check out and jump ahead and make sure that we don't spoil this for you. If you're interested in reading this, because it is kind of fun. Yeah. 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 It is. Okay. So
0: yeah, we can. We'll talk about it a bit, and if you want, um, there. Uh, if you're watching this, listening to this on YouTube or on our website, in the show notes or the description below, there will be timestamps. Uh, just go ahead and jump to after this segment. Jump to probably the It's All Pizza outro segment and you'll be good.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Inevitably, pizza. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay, so the investigation goes on and there's suspects. Bigby. Or, uh, Bluebeard is torturing Jack at one point, mm-hmm. and Big B comes in on that and wolfs out, and that was a lot of fun to see him at least
1: just wolf out. Yes, mm-hmm. it was like the other shoe dropped. It uh-huh. was like the thing I was waiting for since we saw the beast being pseudo beast. I was like, oh, he's the big bad wolf. We need to see him as a wolf. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, I also appreciated the, um, that Snow White showed Snow White and some other people showed up late of you know, too late anyway. Um like Big B had the situation under control. Mm-hmm. But she had the Vorpal blade. Yeah. Yeah. From yeah, the yeah, Jabberwocky uh Yes yeah, sir. Snicker yeah. snack. Yeah. Snick snack. Uh yeah. and I like and when, when she mentioned that, I was I, I even thought, like, gauging from like the artwork, I was like, she's really just kind of flouncing about with that you know it doesn't look very safe but then big b even mentions like Uh you probably want to be a little more careful with that
3: yeah
1: (laughs) yeah yeah um yeah being that my uh, company name my uh, dba is vorpal arrows studios uh i i definitely keyed into that Mm -hmm. um I also really like I like I feel like we should throw a disclaimer in here and we probably should have done it at the beginning. Um Fables is one of those vertigo titles that does not adhere to the comics code. Oh yeah. so when we get to see Big B really wolf out, he's like, Um I'll rip your Grolix throat out. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah this is a. Uh, so an- this is not for kids, ladies and gentlemen, no. even though
0: it's fairy tales. Mm. Oh, yeah, good call. We definitely should have specified that.
2: These are
1: grown-up fairy tales. Grown-up
0: fairy tales. Well, it's fairy tales, but in the real world, in New York.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> that's where all comics happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty
0: much. Anyway, Jack, or not Jack, Bigby ends up, he's starting to put pieces together, and then at one point he definitely starts um, kind of enlisting people uh, like, they don't know what their role is exactly, but he ends up kind of put, getting the ball rolling mm. into basically the situation piecing itself together. Mm-hmm. Um, he in, he comes up with this plan be, uh, involving Prince Charming, who was trying to sell his, his lands, which are no good to them, but he wants to sell his lands off. So he comes up with this plan for a raffle, and he's got Jack set to do things at this um, Remembrance celebration. Yeah. Bluebeard is under uh is in custody, but he allows him out to go to the celebration. Um so he kind of puts together his own little plan uh, basically just setting up his parlor scene. Mm-hmm. Really. Yeah. He requ- he asks that he need he said tells Snow White that she needs to be there, she needs to go with him as if it were part of this plan. Although, you know, it ends up being she puts the last piece in place for him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they have this big re- Remembrance Day celebration. Um, and that really gives you... Like, there's this big speech, and that really gives you a lot of the backstory as to what what happened. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't know who the adversary is exactly, but what happened to drive them all out of the fairy tale lands. Right. And then it's kind of there that he reveals you know what happened and and
2: after getting out of the swim pool
0: okay so i like it <laughs> i like it but it doesn't seem like there's much time like he's talking to snow white she says something that kind of like triggers like a thought in his head that finalizes like concrete con- cements his theory i guess mm-hmm. um and then he's like we'll have everybody meet me wherever up on the roof and there's a swimming pool up there. And so when, you know, the scene goes to up there, he's swimming before everybody gets there and he gets out and he's in a robe and everybody shows up and the remembrance thing is still happening. They're all in their suits and stuff. So like he, what he ran up there and was like, I got five minutes. I'm going to take a swim. (laughs) Yeah. Have
1: some think. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, clear your head, but I like, wait what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's a sherlock's home it's a Sherlock Holmes type of thing where he's got to have his moment
0: oh yeah, yeah, I liked it because it definitely for one it it kind of enforces this like as a character he doesn't really care like what mm-hmm. he's just like, I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do yeah, um and then yeah, it also sets it up so that. While everybody's in formal wear, while he gets to be the center of attention and give his parlor scene speech, mm-hmm. um, he's sitting there wet in a in a robe with no shoes on, standing mm-hmm. in front of all of. I just I I thought that was odd, but I kind of really enjoyed. Just I don't know, I, I enjoyed it as a setup to that scene.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, Rose Red is at the party.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's the big the big the big wait, reveal. Wait,
1: Wait what? (laughs) You? Almost dead.
0: Yeah, like, and he'd even like told Snow White that you know she was dead. uh, I think at that point he claims he knew she wasn't, but just to see her reaction, I guess. Mm
2: -hmm. Everyone's Uh, a suspect.
0: Yeah, everyone's a a suspect. Um, But it turns
1: out, should I just do that? (laughs) So was was he trolling her? (laughs) (laughs)
0: so her and jack rose red that is and jack who are a couple hatched this plan to fake her death because she had a year prior um made a contract to marry bluebeard in exchange for a large sum of money um i'm guessing they blew through that money oh yeah they blew through that money on Dot com startups that failed that Jack could invested in, which was I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> and and this came out also around the same time as that Green Arrow story we read early two thousands. Oh, uh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's been going for ten. Well,
1: months. I knew I knew it's been around. I've I've heard of it for sure, but I didn't know that that's when it started. Mm-hmm. Huh. So
0: they even say you know. The dot com bubble had already burst, mm. and that it's like Jack to jump on it after, yeah, after it's too late anyway. Mm. So yeah, they got money from Bluebeard and then concocted this thing, this this whole plan to fake her death till after the they were supposed to get. He, she was supposed to marry Bluebeard, mm. um, and was that just to like I don't understand. I don't think they had a very good plan because I don't understand what their plan was after that. (laughs) So
1: I have serious issues with your fairy tale plan. Yeah. Well, and they kind of like
0: play at that. They're not the brightest and it wasn't the, a very good plan. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's basically it. That was, that was the whole thing. And like I said, I did
1: kind of see it coming that she had faked it. Yeah, yeah. At a certain point I was like, "Uh, ah, if we don't know that she's dead by now, then she might be part of the problem." Yeah, that's
0: Yeah, that's a good point. If there's like if you're on the last issue of a five-issue arc and there's still no body, probably not dead. Yeah. Um unlike the video game, in which case they find a severed head on the stairs of the apartment complex, there's definitely a murder in but, the video game. You know,
1: if they're going to do a video game based off of something like this, then you, you they've got to kind of like alter it in a way that you're like, Whoa, right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing at the very
0: end I really enjoyed is that Snow White was like, so why was part of your plan to like, why did I have to go to you to the dance? What part, how did that serve the plan? And he's like, I just wanted you to go to the dance with me. Um,
1: And Snow White did not take that very well. mm -hmm. There was all sorts of Easter eggs that were kind of fun. Like the three little pigs, the pig that would come and stay with Big uh, Big B. Mm -hmm. And then he's just like, just in the panels, like here and there. Like he'll be in the city. He'll be sleeping behind a bush. Uh And he's just like there. And I'm like, yeah. I, little pigs, y'all. I, I,
0: um, <laughs> I almost thought that that was going to have something to do with it. I almost thought, like, maybe he witnessed something, but it didn't. He was just out and about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, him sleeping behind the bush was one of my favorites. <laughs> it was just, like, the pig laying back behind this bush. It was a lot he of, like, it off. Yeah. a lot of, um, like, or he was, like, laying in the back of some random truck. A lot of establishing shots where it would, you know, have a... Uh, a, a panel of outside of the restaurant somebody's in or something like that. He was usually outside chilling somewhere mm-hmm. when, when he was supposed to be hiding out or get sent back to the farm. Yeah. Um,
1: do they do anything with the farm? Like, is there a trade where they kind of go to the farm? Cause I'm, I'm intrigued now. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, oh, oh yeah.
2: Fairly soon. It becomes a big part of the storyline. So yeah, yeah. Cool. I like like little things like um, when he was trying to you know figuring out her the what had happened or whatever, and he's talking about only the crap CDs were strewn all over, the good CDs were missing, and you know, oh, yeah. just stupid little stuff like that that they.
0: Oh yeah, like the okay, so they had faked this scene. It was actually her blood. Yeah. But it was blood that they had like slowly um stored up so mm-hmm. that it didn't kill her obviously to gather this blood. Mm-hmm. But and I did notice that in the first issue that the blood was splattered everywhere except the stereo was spotless. That uh-huh. area there was no blood. Yep. Ah. Um mm-hmm. and then he picked up the Leave ash- it leave it to the musician to notice that. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I suppose so. And then like he picked up the ashtray and yeah, I, there there were there were clues mm-hmm. that he picked up on as a character that a couple of them I was like I thought about, but I still thought, you know, I mean, going into it, I still thought, yeah, she might be dead because they, you know, played on that kind of yeah. heavy through most of it. Yeah. Final thoughts.
2: Um, well, obviously I like Hibbles cause I'm still reading it.
0: I think um, you're almost current.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I like it. I liked it from the beginning. <clears throat> this has nothing to do with it, but real quick, the covers are always really awesome. I love them. And I, I, I don't want to necessarily say I'm disappointed, but I'm pref- I'd prefer it if the inside art maybe had, uh, was a little bit more aesthetically appealing than it is. And it's always it's like it's always like that.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, it, the, the 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 covers, at least on these first issues, had a very um, were like painted, yeah. have a very painted look. Yeah. Um, Speaking of, I thought the art was, I thought the art was, I mean, it's it's not like a crazy painted art like the covers, which I'm sure is what you're getting at. But I thought the art in general looked pretty nice.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's okay. But, uh, you know, for, for as fancy as the covers are, I would think it would go more like Swamp Thing or um, uh, Sandman, you know, where they have.
0: Oh, I see what you're saying.
2: Just some more interesting, elaborate things going on.
0: Not in not in comic books. No, but they the
2: don't have space because it is a very wordy comic.
0: Oh yeah, it is kind of wordy.
2: I like well always. It's one of the one of the one of the uh ones that I it takes me longer to get through. Mm-hmm.
0: But I enjoy it's it. It's much so more but, di- dialogue driven. Yes. Um, at least this arc was than a lot of comics. Mm-hmm. But it's worth it. I liked I liked it. Yeah, I would definitely I I I do plan on reading further on mm-hmm. cuz I like the characters a lot. Yeah.
2: And it gets it it gets better. There's so many good things that happen. It just, you know, if you, it depends on how far you want to go.
0: Well, and you you kept saying, well, it gets so much better, it gets so much better, and I'm sure it does. It does. Um so I was a little concerned going into this, but I was like, "Oh, no, I I, I like this. I like the story quite a bit." Mhm
1: made me think of saga a little bit and not because it should, but it did because there was that fairy tale magical element to it mm-hmm. but set against something that's very real mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah and I like that a lot mm-hmm. and there's there's a few indie indie titles that are really good about that mm-hmm. well I say indie i yeah it's hard to call image comics indie anymore they do pretty big numbers but
1: you know what i mean it's
2: awesome. well and,
1: and this being vertigo it's basically oh. dc but, uh. but it's the it's the uh, you know pseudo indie wing of dc yeah
0: so. yeah oh yeah this is vertigo i was thinking image um
1: well saga was image so yeah you weren't yeah. you weren't far off <laughs>
0: well i mentioned the video game and we only played the first issue or first episode because they break them into episodes um they're very much like The Walking Dead Telltale games. Uh Okay. Um it's which we've mentioned on the show before, uh but it's it's totally like almost all story. I mean, there's bits where you can walk around and investigate the area and then you go talk to characters and the amount of voice voiceover recording they have to do is pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. But you it's the thing where you get to like interact with people and then choose your response and then the conversation kind of um varies from there Mm -hmm. and then it's like a modern choose your own adventure yeah really it really is Mm -hmm. um so in that respect the video game was really really cool because it plays out like a movie it's like you're watching a tv show Mm -hmm. um and it's super atmospheric and it kind of fit the tone of what this would be if this was well the video game was a little bit darker i think there was a lot more happened at night like literally darker but Mm -hmm. um but it had like just the music it had that not film noir, but kind of a kind of a noirish detective story feel. Yeah,
2: yeah, I definitely did.
0: So I was really surprised at how close. Although it makes sense if they're gonna if they're going to make a video game based on the book, start at the beginning with this kind of introductory type story, mm-hmm. uh, set to a murder mystery. Um, was a good place, good way to handle it. But yeah, yeah, the video game was cool. Uh, the comic book was awesome, and I definitely will read more. Yep. I recommend it. I'm kind of intrigued by the video game now. So, yeah, the, we the first the first episode. I'm I'm not sure how many they maybe six or eight episodes. It's kind of like how they did
1: the Walking Dead games. Sure, and Back to the Future they did. Yeah. Kind of a similar situation too. I think it was five episodes or something like that. And
0: they 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 gave the first the first one I think is free or at least at least on the 360 the first episode was free you know kind of a uh, like a demo mm-hmm. I mean it kind of makes sense right um, but it's a pretty good hour hour plus of gameplay mm-hmm. given that the gameplay is like watching a TV show most of the time mm-hmm. um, so that's like a hour long program almost mm-hmm. um, there's some some kind of actiony bits where you gotta like hit buttons at the right time or react to
1: like this. Somebody's attacking you or something. Oh yeah. That's exactly like the walking dead. Though. Cause you'd, you'd have an encounter with a zombie and you'd have to hit certain buttons or else mm-hmm. you're dead. But then you just start right back where you left off basically. Yeah. yeah. Those could be a little challenging, especially when you
0: go from, because it's a kind of a sudden like sh- sh- shift in mindset where you're like, yeah, oh, Kind of laid back watching this like show happen that you get to interact with occasionally, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it's like,
1: hit that Y, hit sense.
0: X, hit, hit Y, <laughs> yeah. you know, shake the joystick. and It's like, whoa, what's happening? <laughs>
1: yeah, do it fast. Come on, you're dying.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. all right. So we got to wrap this thing up, put a bow on it. Yep. The show, yes, yeah.
1: Did we talk about garlic's bites on here at all, Jesse? We did not, and uh, so Grolix Bites should be coming down the pipeline. If it hasn't aired before this episode, uh, Grolix Bites is going to be a quick bite of any kind of subject that we feel like covering, and uh, it's it's going to be a little shorter episode. And we may package bites together. We're not e- we're not even really sure how this is going to happen. Yeah, but uh. It's going to be additional content, which is always good news, uh, and that's going to give us an opportunity to kind of address these things. I mean, every, every month, I mean, we do this podcast monthly because it's kind of hard to read at least two trade paperbacks in a month, depending on how crazy busy the month is, mm-hmm. but so much happens in a month. Like this month, we had, you know, we could we could talk about how it's April fools because this episode's coming up in April, Mm -hmm. or we could talk about, you know, all sorts of news items that happen in a month, but it winds up being where that is maybe behind the times. So Grawlix bites is our opportunity to kind of address those timely things as they happen a little bit more quickly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if it's a slow news month, then maybe we won't do it. But, uh, Additional content is never a bad idea, and that's what we're kind of hoping to do. So uh, be looking for that. We're going to release that as part of our regular RSS feed mm-hmm. as, a, as a podcast. It'll probably show up on the YouTube channel as well mm-hmm. if you're listening there. But, yeah, be on the lookout because uh, I, I think we're going to see some interesting and exciting things from Grawlix Bytes.
0: Yeah, I like it. Um I think it was a fantastic idea. Yeah, we'll put it through the podcast feed. It'll show up. It's like when we do the Grawlix Nights. Eh? Grawlix Bites? Yeah. Oh! Yay, hey, rhyming. It, I like that. It's like when we do that. We'll put the, we will put those through the podcast feed, so it'll show up like a regular episode, just, uh, just like a different imprint. Um, but like Jesse said, it'll give us the chance to address things that might be more time-sensitive, something uh, a little more timely. From month to month, by the time we hit... You know, from one episode to the to the next, there's interesting stories that we might have wanted to talk about. But by the time the next month rolls around, they're they're cold. The story's Mm. gone cold. Uh, Mm. Plus, yeah, extra content. Uh, I think it's a great idea. Sometimes you'll get you'll get just a Jesse solo thing. Sometimes you'll get a me solo thing. You'll get two of three of us. Maybe you'll get three of three of us. You know, it's just kind of um,
1: whatever is hot. If if all three of us are available, man, that's always more fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. But sometimes it's hard to get all the schedules to mesh. Yeah.
0: And along similar lines, if you haven't already, check out the Grolix YouTube channel because uh, programming is blowing up over there. Um, in addition to uh, the podcast, which is up there uh, every month anyway... Because I'm a community nut, we've been uh, – Melanie and I have been reviewing or at least kind of discussing uh, each new episode of season six of Community. Those have been going up every week. Um, we've been doing Grolix picks, which is kind of like staff picks for uh, new comics each week. I'm not sure how long we'll keep that one up, but it's it's kind of fun for now. So we're mm-hmm. rolling with that, seeing if people I've, like
1: that. I've been enjoying it. so. Right. Yes. and
0: And it gives me a reason to bust out animated Randy and Melanie again. Yeah. Um, yes.
2: There's a couple other things we have in the works that we mm-hmm. probably start doing.
0: We've got some stuff that is written but needs to be recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got some stuff that's recorded that needs to be edited. It's, you know, stuff like we talk – it's a little bit more broader than some of the stuff we talk about here in terms of like it's all kind of under the geek, the nerd geek umbrella. But, um, you know, a little bit uh, broader scope of of
1: topics, I guess. Yeah. If you uh, if you like the episode, please uh, go to the episode. Oh, we have comments on our episode pages. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So please comment. Uh, we'd love to hear what you think of the episode. Uh, let us know what you think about fables. Let us know what you think about Quiver. Let us know what you want to hear next on the poll list mm-hmm. and uh, definitely subscribe to the YouTube channel because there's all sorts of incredible side content that's coming your way uh, and be looking for Grolix Bites if it hasn't aired yet then it's coming mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. ooh and maybe movie talk
0: too I'm in the yes yeah
1: yeah We, I recently had the opportunity to jump in on you guys's um, EMG Radio, which, by the way, we really should mention that EMG 2.0 is coming out. Randy? Yes, EMG
0: 2.0, a compilation album. Uh, it's awesome, wide variety of genres, electronic music. There's some rock stuff. There's all kinds of awesome stuff. It's a free compilation album. You can listen to it for free online. You can download it for free. We're giving it away. Get that at uh, music.electronicmusiciansgroup.com. I, I really want to streamline those because in the past I've gone on about them. Yeah. But yeah, new compilation album just came out like a week or two ago.
1: I, f- I feel like you're a new comic book
0: character right now. You are Speed Pimp. <laughs> I am a Speed Pimp. I have things to give to you, and then I will be gone.
1: Whoa! Oh, what just happened? Who was that masked man?
0: Sir, you've been pimped.
1: <laughs> oh, the lap. Keep it hands, strong. <laughs> <and a hip laughs> oh wow.
0: Um Yeah, also Jesse was on the EMG radio, which was I mean, it was a kind of a crowded a crowded um chat, uh but it was awesome having Jesse on there. I just haven't promoted it much as a cross promotion like in a cross promotion type sense because uh the language on EMG radio is is uh not very clean. Yeah. So,
1: yes. So if you're not averse to that, definitely go ahead and feel free to check that out. But if you have small children in the room, maybe don't put it on unless you have headphones.
0: I mean, Jesse is always a gentleman, and he kept his language squeaky clean. But there are very on-gentleman-like gentlemen that were also on the show. So, <laughs> um, Otherwise, I would have shared the fact that we kind of had a, a, a crossover uh
1: Going on, but I I don't want to I don't want to tarnish Jesse's good name. You know you know aside from that it was a good time, it was a good time. Uh, just be aware that there's some adult language that occurs. Yep. So, there's that. Uh, what else was I going to say? I don't know. Feels like there was more than one crossover thing that happened. Oh, uh, Brandon Lampani, who is also a member of our electronic media. Uh, collective podcast network yes it 's a, a mouthful yeah <laughs> uh, we both since the last
0: oh know, wow, since the last episode yeah, yeah
1: it's it 's been that long when we do it monthly there 's a lot of things that happen. Uh, Randy was involved in the fiftieth episode. And then I got to follow that up with the 51st episode. And Randy jumped in on the end. And we had a really good time with Brandon on his uh, kind of anniversary episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those were fun. I uh, the Your episode,
0: I think, um, my first episode I was very kind of uh, nervous but also extra hyped up. So, you know, it got a little rambly. But I think your episode was awesome because you guys kept on track. And then by the time, um, and you guys talked about comic books and X-Men and, uh, X-Men quite a bit. And then by the time I jumped on, I learned from my mistakes and I also didn't want to trample on Jesse's guest episode. Um, so I kind of laid back, but overall, I think that episode, the 51st episode of the technology geek is a fantastic listen.
1: It was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Super, super fun. And Brandon is such a gracious host. So, if you haven't yet, please get over there and check out the technology geek. Is it technologygeek dot It's an org. He's got an org it's going on. Org. Or, okay. Mm-hmm. Sorry.
0: Technologygeek dot or the technologygeek dot org. I'm sure there's more we
1: could talk to people about, but we have got to wrap this thing up. This has been Jesse. The new Turbo Ginsu! It slices, it dices, and it makes Julian fries in Grolix different ways.
0: This is Randy, a boy's best friend is his Grolix.
1: And this has been Melanie.
2: Dave, this Grolix can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye.
4: <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to Grawlitz Podcast. Grawlix Podcast is a production of the Electronic Media Collective and Vocal Arrow Studios. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. To hear more, visit GrawlixPodcast.com, follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash and like us on Twitter Twitter.com slash Podcast.
1: anything Batman related and like Batgirl is now like super kind of happy mm-hmm. or, or at least like, I don't know. She's super confident now with the new outfit and it's a much different take on the book. But, uh, what they did was they basically paid an homage to the killing joke. So they've got her like with uh, Joker makeup smeared all over her face and super scared looking and, and it just became this big issue yeah and the joker's behind her, and he's like holding he's got a gun and he's
0: then he's holding his hand to like her face like it's a gun, and mm-hmm. there was you know internet backlash because violence against the like the connotation of violence against women and then set that against the fact that the book has taken such a different um direction and kind of shooting for a different
1: demographic yeah. than it was. And so different than what's going on in the book at the time, and then mm-hmm. then then they put it like side by side with like Catwoman, where Catwoman's knocking the Joker out with a boxing glove gun, and it's super like, you know, I mean, yeah. like they could have gone that route with it instead they, of victimized yeah. woman, yeah,
2: yeah, but that's because the Killing Joke is awesome, and
0: I yeah, I actually so you, got, you got both arguments, yeah, <laughs> I really like the cover like the artwork is mm-hmm. really nice. It's really well done. Yeah. And I think that's part of what the issue is, is the look on Batgirl's face mm-hmm. is kind of horrifying and she yeah. looks horrified. And I think part of the reason it really rubbed people uh, so wrong was, that was a weird expression, um, was the fact that she looks so messed up and horrified. Mm-hmm. And I think that really like, as a piece of art, it works because it obviously hit people on a level that made them uncomfortable. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but it's like it was too good, the the artist himself and I really should know his name offhand um, opted to pull the pull the cover himself before DC or any you know said anything. Right. He said, you know, okay, yeah, I you know, and it's just a variant. It wasn't a regular cover, mm-hmm. um, right? So that's kind of some people's argument for keeping the cover mm-hmm. is that you don't have to buy it it's not the regular cover but well
2: you know if you've seen it it's out there people are going to have it anyway i mean it's not going to be a, a cover but you know
0: the art's out the there the art yeah. is going
2: to be out there and
0: but they pulled it from
2: it's probably more popular now the, than it would have been if people hadn't made us think about it anyway so
1: that's kind of true when I mean, somebody like adapted it and and just made her look less horrified and more like angry, mm-hmm. and, and it was interesting how that changed the cover. Oh, you I bet know, it. Like just just changing the eyes. It was it, they didn't change anything else about it, just the eyes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I bet that changes it quite a bit. So yeah, I mean that's that's that
0: whole thing.